7 o'clock, I call to order the June 13th Franklin School Committee meeting. Meetings are recorded by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29, as well as recorded by Franklin Matters. Any individual who also wishes to record this meeting is notified the chair in accordance with Massachusetts General Law, Chapter 38, Section 20F. All right, moving along, we are going to begin with our pledge student page. Sorry, I was slowly coming in. I'm way behind. One second page, I'm so sorry. if you wanted to come up to the microphone. Right. Paige Daly is representing Oak Street School. She is the daughter of Tom and Carrie Ann and the sister of older brother Thomas, who is a sophomore at Franklin High School. Paige's teachers have nominated her to represent Oak Street this evening because of her involvement in our Oak Street community. She has been a first grade volunteer all year where she spends each morning with a group of first graders playing games, practicing flashcards, and building positive relationships. Paige is also a member of the Oak Street Student Council. As a member of Student Council, she meets with teachers and fellow members once a month to plan spirit days and community service projects for the entire community. As an Oak Street scholar, Paige puts her best foot forward every day. She comes to school each day ready to learn and share her ideas with others. Her teachers are very impressed how she serves as a role model for her classmates. She works diligently to learn and problem solve. She is very caring, willingly works cooperatively with classmates, and is inclusive of all. Her positive attitude is contagious. As she gets ready to transition to Horace Mann Middle School next year, she reflects on her favorite things about Oak Street as being all the fifth grade projects she has completed. She also loves her fifth grade teacher, Mrs. Buswell. Paige's favorite subject is social studies because she likes learning about all the battles leading up to the Revolutionary War, as well as the fifth grade wax museum, which was held last Friday. Paige also lists ELA as a favorite subject because she loves to read. When she grows up, she wants to be a graphic novel author and artist. Paige, thank you so much for being here this evening. If you wouldn't mind leading all of us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you so much, Paige, and Mom, for being here. <laughs> is customary, I would like to pause for a moment of silence. Uh, this evening, we would like to send our deepest condolences to one of our Franklin High School families. We are thinking of the family and friends at this time. Thank you, everyone. Um, all right, moving right along. Uh, routine business review of agenda. Um, on this evening's agenda, I would like to strike executive session from the agenda. Um, we had a bit of an error, so um, if no one has any objections, I'd like to move this to a different date. Any problems with that? 
Because you know if we have to take a vote on this? Um, for executive session, I think you need to just approve. Approve. I don't think we need a vote to, to approve. To just move up. All right, perfect. All right. So there's nothing else on review of agenda. Payment of bills, Mr. McNeil. Bills are in order. Payrolls all set. We have our FHS student reps here. Yeah, uh, hello everyone. My name is Alan Shetty. Uh, I'm the class president of the junior class at Brandon High School. Uh, to start off, we just wanted to extend our deepest condolences, condolences to the family of uh, Anthony Gates. Um, it's a terrible tra tragedy, and we really just want to give them all our support and all our love, and you know they're really in our thoughts and prayers during this very difficult time for them. Um, admin has conveyed an email for plans for students that are um, experiencing grief during this very difficult time for them. Um, also, the final final exams have been adjusted due to this very difficult time um, for students. Adam conveyed the following message to um, students and adults. They said that as a result, students who choose to take the final exam and scores above their average will be able to improve their overall grades. However, if a student chooses not to take the final exam, or does not perform well on the final exam, they will receive an exemption, and their final grade will be average based on the sum of their grades for the four quarters of the school year. But um, overall, we just really want to send our deepest condolences to the Gates family as they go through this difficult time. Regarding school news, um, this is finals week, so today was the F period final, and starting tomorrow on Wednesday, we will be going on a half-day schedule. So Wednesday is the D and E period final. Thursday is G and A period. And Friday is B and C period. And Tuesday following Juneteenth will just be makeup final exams. Uh, for students that are taking bus registration, um, full payment is due for that by July 10th. And parking registration can be done now for seniors. Uh, this next year, juniors will be required to park at the uh, ice rink, so that's different from this year. And also, going into next year, fall sports registration is now open up family ID for students that are planning on participating in fall sports. Hey everyone, I'm Siddharth Chandra and I'm the Vice President of the Class of 2024. Um, I wanted to give a few updates about the sports at Franklin High School. Um, unfortunately, the seasons of the boys and girls tennis teams, boys lacrosse and softball ended um, in these past two weeks in the playoffs. They all had great runs and great seasons, so we wanted to congratulate them on their great seasons. And then unfortunately, just about an hour ago, girls lacrosse also lost in this semifinal game in a really close 10 to nine loss against Westwood, who were the defending state champs. Um, it was a great comeback effort as they were down eight one at one point, so we want to congratulate them on their resiliency in that game. Um, currently, baseball is underway in their state semifinal game, trying to get back to the state title game. Um, they're playing Methuen at Holy Cross now, so we wish them uh, good luck. Um, strength and conditioning registration is open for this summer. If any high school students or um, want to register for that, that is open now. Um, and also this weekend, we have a few athletes that will be competing at the New Balance Nationals. We have Lily DeForge in the discus, uh, Liz Hawkins in the javelin, Warren Holland in the mile, and Sarah Dumas in the pentathlon. So we want to wish them uh, good luck and see how they do. Thank you very much. Does anyone have any questions coming? Um, I just wanted to commend the um, principal Hannah and 
the superintendent for their decision about finals. Um, the students' mental health is the most important thing. And even if students didn't know Anthony, the facing mortality as a young person can be quite um, shocking. Um, and knowing that we are doing what we say that we care about is so important. So um, I'd like to recognize that. Thank you. many of the topics that um, Sid and Han mentioned, but I do want to note that um, it's with a great deal of sadness that we mourn the passing of one of our students. This is the second student we've mourned in a very short period of time, um, and it's felt across the community, across our schools. Um, I was at the high school today, and it's um, palpable. You can feel um, the number of people that are impacted. Um, people process grief in different ways, and I just would want to share with the community just a couple of thoughts around this. Um, we can't take away people's pain, but we can show love and support when people are hurting and facing really an incomprehensible uh, tragedy. And um, that's what communities do, is we try to rally and find ways in which we can do our part. And it certainly created um, a more perspective, as, as though we needed any more perspective in this area. Um, I just wanted to share that our students and staff, grief is not linear. I wrote that in my email and message um, to our staff and to our families. And it's um, highly personalized. So um, we've tried to take the approach to support kids where they're at. Um, some benefit from a routine with one foot on the ground and continuing. And then we also have students who need additional support and that's not what works, and um, we're just doing our part, um, and our heavy, heavy hearts are with the Gates family at this time as they mourn their loss. And um, you heard a little bit, I won't share um, again the update on exams and whatnot, but we will continue to have counseling services and supports um, available throughout the week for students. Um, we have staff who are impacted at all levels, I would just point out, and students, of course, um, across the schools. So. Um, we're doing everything we can to help, and um, we need to just navigate what's in front of us all together and continue to show each other grace and support as we move forward. So there's a lot to process, though. Um, so I just would uh, share those particular thoughts and take a moment. I want to shift gears. We have other topics in my report, but I didn't want to be... Um, disrespectful to that moment, so I'm just going to take like five seconds to transition. <clears throat> Thank you. So moving on in our agenda, we have a few items that we'll cover today. Um, I'll just give a brief overview and then we'll get into it. So we have um, a Spain trip recap. This is um, a trip that you approved. Uh, Ms. Laura Keenan is here today to share some information about that. We'll then um, highlight and honor some of our Franklin High School track students who you heard uh, mentioned by Sid. And then we'll uh, continue down the, the line with some other updates along the way, but we can start with um, the Spain trip update. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. 
so you're going to see in a moment. I thought this um, this story was best told through photos. So I've got a brief presentation. I think it's only five or six slides, just to kind of give the feel for what the trip was like. Um, so I want to start off just by thanking the school committee in the town for supporting this. I know it's a big responsibility and putting your trust into the teachers um, is no small feat. So thank you for doing that. I think it paid off in dividends. Um, so as you can see on our first slide, we sort of, um, we kicked the trip off um, exploring and getting a feel for Malaga after a long um, overnight flight with a layover at Heathrow where we expertly took the tram to catch um, our connecting flights. But we, and I, I feel like a lot of the learning came in those experiences, <laughs> just as much as the language classes we took. We uh, really schooled, you know, everyone in how to be international travelers. Um, so our first day included just a walk around um, this beautiful area called Moye Uno, and where we got to see the outside of the Pompidou Center. Um, we saw the cathedral and uh, had an amazing first night where I think we all really fell in love with the city and could it felt like a movie set, truly. Um, and I just started off, I do have student pictures along the way. The first one you see there in the middle is just of the chaperones. I want to, wanted to thank them straight <coughs> off um, for picking up their April breaks, um, leaving their families, friends, spouses, children at home to be with us. Um, the hallmark of the trip was really, it was an immersion trip and we went to class every day. So I think that might have been lost on some people. Um, you know, people were just like, how was Spain? Thinking it was just all fun and games. But we did take classes and immersed ourselves in language lessons each morning. I've included a picture of the double bus that we took to and fro every day to classes. We really had a great hotel centrally located. Um, but then we went, um, took that bus to our classes each day. And it cruised along the shore, along the Costa del Sol. We had views of the Mediterranean. So even though it was a city bus, it was uh, it was a pretty luxurious city bus. It was nice. But they also got really skilled in uh, boarding, 48 of us boarding the bus every time, and disembarking and communicating if we get separated. And that just shows our campus that we are on. You can see it's this, it was sort of a gated little EF campus <coughs> the classes. The students loved the instructors as well. Those morning lessons supported our afternoon activities. Um, one of them, which wasn't just an afternoon, it was a full day, but we did go to the Alhambra in Granada, um, the last Moorish stronghold in Spain. And I mean, even these pictures, as gorgeous they are, as they are, almost don't capture the, the, vibrance, the vibrancy or the, the feel of the place. It really is an amazing, um, gorgeous area to visit. One afternoon, we spent the afternoon at the Pablo Picasso Museum, where we not only were led on tours throughout the museum. You can see one of his sculptures that I had never seen, an owl sculpture, which I thought was very quirky and um, sort of whimsical. And one of his etchings at the bottom, the reason I included one of his etchings of that woman is because then the students took lessons and created their own etchings. You can see one of them operating the printing press there and others showing their work when they're finished. And the woman on the left is our fearless leader, Blanca. She was our EF tour guide there. And we really couldn't have asked for a better guide throughout. She was lovely. One afternoon, we went to the world famous market that they have in Malaga, where they were um, had a scavenger hunt type challenge. They had to take photos of certain things, little challenges given by their instructors. Um, one of those was every student got five euros and was challenged to try something they hadn't before. Um, 
you know, some students were braver than others. In the middle, you can see those pink things. Those are hibiscus flowers that are sort of sugared or candied. Um, you see some amazing spices on the left, meats. Um, the hibiscus flowers were a popular one, as were smoothies. I think students were anxious to have a little bit of familiar food since they've been trying so many new things all week. That market was certainly special. Students really loved that. Um, they took a cooking class one evening where they made paella and a type of gazpacho soup that Malaga is known for. Um, so the students cooked for us and we got to eat and it was lovely. We also took off one day in our coach bus, not the city bus, but we took off in our nicer bus um, to the local countryside. We visited some white villages where um, we not only saw you know, how olive oil was traditionally made, you can see the big stone grinders that are in the bottom right hand corner, um, but we also retreated to an amazing lunch um, in family homes. So we separated and went out with all different families, and you can see a couple of snapshots. And those women in the aprons are the senoras that cooked for us. Um, that was a very special day. One of my students recently said that was her favorite. And that's one of the oldest olive trees in um, Spain. We saw tens of hundreds of thousands of olive trees while we were cruising through that area. Our very last day, we were lucky enough to take a flamenco lesson um, with this world-renowned flamenco dancer, Pilar Soto, and that's us in her studio. Um, not only did she have us all learn different routines, but then we each, as you can see in um, upper right-hand corner, you see a student in the middle of the circle. We each got to showcase our dance at a different time. So, I mean, we have videos of, you know, Lou doing the dance and different chaperones, and it was really special. Um, I promised I wouldn't embarrass anyone, but it was a very, um, it was a joyous <laughs> afternoon. And um, I think you can see in everyone's face there, even after dancing for hours, how happy they were. That evening we went to a professional flamenco show where we really then appreciated the moves even more. Um, the music and the sounds of it were just, it was a full body experience. We have very few photos of it, I think, because everyone was so absorbed in it. And it was, it was a really special way to end our week. And I'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Laura, for sharing that. Um, any questions come? Oh, well, I think Jess has moved up on my vacation. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. It's wonderful to kind of see uh, everything after the fact. Yeah. Yes, uh, thank you for the opportunity. appreciate this. Thank you. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Looks like a wonderful experience for the students. You know we live vicariously through the slideshows that we get through her books, like overseas, other <laughs> state trips, and so this is really helpful. I think it helps guide you a little bit. So, it was energizing for sure. Yes, absolutely. And I really like for so long we had no trips because it was COVID, mm -hmm. and so like I was trying to remember the last time. I don't think we ever have because they were done by when we started, and then it was COVID. Yeah, and so it's just like. And like I alluded to, the, the sort of soft skills they learn along the way, um, you know, the I witnessed, we, of course, we had certain challenges along the way with food allergies or medical needs, and I saw students like in the streets problem solving together. They had free time for lunch every day and a little bit of free time to explore, and I, you know, got to witness some special moments of students helping other students read menus and problem solve in real time, and those moments are special, and it really, it, I think they got a lot out of this trip. That's so true. When we think about the portrait of the graduate, you know, it doesn't say fluent Spanish speaking, but it has all those problem solving, but, you know, yes. collaborating and all those other Certainly, things. yeah. Definitely. Yeah, thanks. Thank you very much. Thank this you. Thanks. Thank you, Laura. <coughs> uh, 
Next up, our Franklin High School girls outdoor track and field team had an amazing season. Uh, it took place over, oops, I'm sorry, um, their hard work, dedication, and teamwork and competitive spirit earned them uh, personal best records, new school records, and some state championships. And we are joined here today from some champions that we wanted to recognize. So the MIA meet of champions, if Sarah Lilly and Liz can come up, just if you can stand up here. Um, what's held in Fitchburg, at Fitchburg State University uh, on June 1st and June 3rd, and the following members of the girls outdoor track and field team earned MIAA Division I state champion honors. So we are joined here by Sarah Dumas. Liz, hi. Hi. <laughs> competed in the uh, pentathlon championship in the 100 meter hurdles. Uh, the Liz Hopkins. Hi. <laughs> javelin champion. And Lily DeForge, excuse me, discus finalists. And uh, these students, athletes, just had amazing spring seasons, which uh, obviously culminated with some championships. So in fashion, how we've uh, continued to recognize students from across all content areas and disciplines, we um, try to create a moment um, to just celebrate you and congratulate you on the work. And as I said to our students who performed for uh, orchestra, different discipline completely, but you're here today to get accolades at the Meet of Champions, you win, you get awarded medals, but it's not lost on any of us, the amount of work you had to do individually on your own to prepare yourself for the off season when no one's necessarily cheering you on. So um, I just think that's a, a, a skill that I try to reinforce with students and say, if you can continue to do these things along the way, you continue to earn success, and we're really proud of you. Um, we're also joined by Coach Travato, who is here with his team of coaches, um, Mark Rudolph, Tom Geisen, Nick Bailey, Kathleen Hogan, and Brianna Cummings. Um, uh, some of, most are here joining us today, and uh, they have done just a tremendous job to help um, support our students um, with their success. And you know, it's about the, the skill side of things, too. It's not just about um, endurance and stamina, but actually learning the proper techniques and skills. So thank you for, for all the work that you guys do as well. So uh, without further ado, just a round of applause. Saturday while the middle school students were on their way to the Six, six Flags in Agawam, Mass. Uh, while the buses were caravanning along the highway, uh, the rear wheel of one of the buses um, came off. The driver, uh, Ken, Ken Benjamin, um, was the driver, uh, maneuvered the truck 
uh, the bus safely to a safe location where students were loaded onto another bus and continued to Six Flags. Uh, we're incredibly grateful and fortunate that no one was hurt, um, and nothing bad occurred, and there were no nearby motorists and no one was injured. Um, and however, um, we wanted to just acknowledge what had occurred. Holmes Bus has issued a statement regarding the matter. Um, I will include it. I think I've shared it with the school committee, but to highlight a few of the pieces, they recap that um, Ken Benjamin was the bus driver, and uh, when the wheel had fallen off, he had brought them to a safe location. He then um, sent uh, a bus to go and a service bus to a truck to deal with the bus. And when they arrived at the scene, they were able to place a new tire on it. And Ken drove the Six Lights bus to meet the students. The students were offloaded and transported up um, with another bus. Um, all school buses uh, were inspected by the Massachusetts State uh, inspection agency three times. It happens three times per year. This particular bus is a 2019 international bus. It was last serviced on February 21st, 2023. And at that time, the brakes, springs, tires, and fluids were inspected as part of the service. The bus driver performed a circle check before they departed on their route uh, or uh, at, on their route as part of the safety training. And again, uh, they're grateful to their bus driver, Ken, who um, handled the bus safely for our students, staff, and faculty, uh, and chaperones who were on that bus and uh, continued on the field trip. So I just wanted to acknowledge and, and share the statement from the bus company regarding the steps and, and what had occurred. Um, you heard Ahan talk about transportation deadlines. I'll just reiterate the date. Uh, payment uh, in full is due on July 10th. Uh, and folks want to guarantee a spot on buses, that would be uh, something you want to take care of. Uh, finally, before we get to some um, uh, recommend, um, commemorations for some folks, I wanted to just hit on budget. I know we're going to be discussing budget later in detail, but I wanted to just share and communicate um, a couple of pieces of information that I think I've emailed individuals about, but I wanted to share with the, the larger group around our budget and uh, the reductions that were made across levels and across disciplines. Um, I share this because uh, budgets uh, include many variables. There obviously there's some complexities to it, and uh, we make challenging decisions as a school department, as a school committee, and consider the needs of the entire system, um, which have affected us, our students, me personally and professionally as a superintendent and a parent. Um, one variable we look at is sectioning and enrollment. Uh, at the elementary level, uh, we found some opportunities to utilize specialist staff um, more efficiently, which re resulted in some reduced positions at the elementary level. This led to another variable, which impacts uh, reductions, and it impacted uh, a middle school music position. And uh, this is a result of a contractual obligation regarding seniority and um, professional status rights over non-professional status rights within a license and subject area that someone's employed in. So I wanted to clarify um, some information around music, particularly at the middle level. I know that um, there's been um, some information shared and uh, circulating around cuts to the middle level. Um, there were no middle school music cuts made, but there were impacts to the middle school music. So I just want to recognize the impact, but be clear about the cuts, because that's something that's been asked and, um, uh, asked of me, and I thought it made sense because of um, just the, the sense I have that it's kind of 
been discussed in a, in a more public fashion. I wanted to share that. The other piece I would say is uh, just uh, two levels. We value all of our programs. We value our music program along with um, all of our programs. And ultimately, uh, in this budget cycle, we'll talk more about later, we have done our best and spent a lot of time to try to land a budget that looks at the entire system and tries to honor um, some of the priorities that we've established within the district and make the most sense of it. Finally, um, we are uh, grateful that we received some appropriated funds uh, last week to help us support our budget that was voted on um, last week by the town council. Uh, we continue to feel effects, the effects of finalizing a budget on June 13th when most districts have uh, been done in planning for next school year. Um, districts with settled budgets in uh, March and April are concluding the school year by reviewing and improving their systems, collaborating with stakeholders um, and planning and strategizing. And I think that's where we seek to be and not in uh, covering these topics at this time of the school year. Um, so with that said, I will move forward. We, we have a full agenda, but I wanted to just kind of hit on a few of those pieces. Next up, I wanted to recognize two people who we have had in our district for some period of time here, some longer um, than others, and we have Michelle Kingsland-Smith with us. And uh, Michelle Kingsland-Smith, if you could, do you mind coming up, Michelle? <laughs> so, Michelle has been an employee, she's reached her 50 years of service public service and public education. <coughs> I can give her, let's give her a round of applause. I remember when I was hired as a teacher, you ran the induction program for teaching and learning and um, really gave some really, I still use strategies today Thank whenever you. I'm in front of anyone in the teaching strategy. So some of these things have lasted. She's had a lasting impact on so many of us. As I look out in the crowd, I'm looking around and many of the people here have been directly impacted by Michelle um, and her, her training and her love and passion for all things academics, instruction, um, ELL, Title I. She's had many hats in the district and we're just uh, really thankful for your dedication to the Franklin Public Schools during your time. When we asked Michelle about her resignation, she said, I actually resigned in 2011, <laughs> but um, I decided, uh, they, they asked me to stay on and uh, continue to do the work that she's been doing. So here we are in 2023, and um, I received this. This is from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, and I wanted to, to read it out loud, if that's all right with you, to embarrass you a little more before you retire from the Commonwealth of Massachusetts from the House of Representatives. Be it hereby known to all that the Massachusetts House of Representatives offers its sincerest congratulations to Michelle Kingsland-Smith in recognition of your 50 years of service in public education. The entire membership extends its very best wishes and expresses the hope for future good fortune and continued success in all endeavors. Given the second day of June 2023, it is signed by Ronald Mariano and it's uh, offered by Jay Barrows. And we wanted to share this with you today and thank you for your service to Franklin Public Schools.
passion and emotion are important things in education, and something I've always had. And evidently, I have it today as well. But um, I, I truly have been blessed. 31 years in Foxborough and 19 years here in Franklin. And I, um, I truly am blessed. And I, I thank you all for all of your support through the years. Teachers, everyone, it's, it's been a great ride. Thank you. Child labor laws and hire her as a baby. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to tell you, I started at 15. I <laughs> okay. Last but certainly not least, um, I, we are joined. This is, feels a bit like when Mariana Rivera um, retired in every stadium celebrated. I take every opportunity publicly to acknowledge and thank Miss Marion Goodman, our school business administrator. And uh, since 2008, Mayor Goodman has served the school business administrator as a school business administrator for the Franklin Public Schools with distinction. Her career as a preschool teacher has shaped her views and role of the school business administration job and role and uh, continues to serve all of our students and our staff so that we um, have the ability to do the best job we can in this district and it's really uh, amazing that she has been here and done the work that she's done and she's done it with integrity and with sound financial practices so um, two things that I think are, are really important during her tenure education aid was cut and Miriam worked on ways to implement a budget that had mitigation measures and uh, balance the budget despite those challenges she stabilized the finances for the district working with school officials to find efficiencies ensuring that we are using resources efficiently and applied uh, uh, made decisions and helped us uh, distribute resources to students that directly impacted them. She's not only has excellent technical still skills, but she also serves as a very strong central office leader, navigating increasing complexities and emotional situations within the Franklin Public School community. Her reach and influence in the district is felt across all of our departments. She has supported in part in food, the food service department and our director and significantly expanding our offerings, providing culturally responsive menus for students, and even has helped develop the extensive adult catering and catering um, portions of that particular department. And she's also a member of our school wellness task force, um, SWAC, and she continues to live in this community and also uh, lives here as well. I think that uh, is a true testament to Miriam and her commitment to Franklin. She's led, she's been a mentor to many superintendents. Uh, me, probably, I think in one year, probably used most of that mentoring time. <laughs> uh, most of my uh, former colleagues. And I just wanted to say to you that we truly appreciate you. and know you hate the spotlight, um, but the work that you do, you deserve to be honored. And we are so fortunate to have had you working in Franklin to support the work that we do and lead the work that we do through um, in the 15 years. It, there's been a lot of things that uh, occurred and uh, I couldn't be more happy for you for your retirement and sad for us as a district to see you go because you have so much integrity and uh, it's just something that I admire completely about you. And, uh, appreciate all the support you provided, not only me, but all of our uh, colleagues in the district. So thank you.
choose to be in the spotlight when I don't have to be, but I will say thank you very much. It's really been an honor and, and a pleasure to uh, serve the students and the families. Appreciate it. Good crying retirement. <laughs> that concludes my report. Thank you all. Okay. Yeah. It feels like this night is like a roller coaster. I'm so sorry to bring back up. Um, but I am concerned about the timing for kids because sometimes um, their responses to grief can be delayed and they won't be in school next week. So I'd like to um, encourage parents to reach out to their pediatricians, um, to read the, the documents that you know, leaks you sent, and also um, if you can publish some um, hotlines, um, including the one that was advertised that's run by kids. Um, and know too, you know, high schoolers very often, um, they're at a time where they're grieving in ways that are less obvious um, to their parents. You know, it used to be when your kids are young, you just give them a hug because they're crying. And high schoolers don't necessarily grieve in that way. So um, I'm just encouraging parents to give their kids grace. Um, they may be irritable, they may withdraw, they may um, escape, and all of those are natural responses. So if we could, um, I, I don't think we have full year-round mental health counselors, um, but pediatricians are um, excellent sources of um, support. Mayor, um, I just want to say thank you very much uh, for everything that you've done uh, in this community. That's an indelible work uh, on Franklin. And uh, yeah, we got plenty of work uh, moving ahead, so if you ever wanted to come back for <laughs> an internship or anything, we're always open. Should paid or unpaid? Sorry. Yes, uh, thank you, Mary, for your time here. It's been a pleasure working with you. Um, been a wealth of knowledge. Um, I, I don't know fill your shoes and these are larger than probably Shaq's feet. Um, in terms of the, the work that you put in and the knowledge that you have, um, I mean, we've been lucky to have you and just to help navigate through these past few years, at least from my tenure anyway. Um, it's definitely been appreciated and um, you'll, you'll be best. So I'd like to echo that. Thank you, Miriam, um, for your service to our community and school district. Yeah, happy for you to graduate here in the time, but it's certainly be missed. Um, pleasure subcommittee chairs certainly couldn't have asked for a better business uh, admin to really help guide and shepherd us and just yeah you're absolutely wealth of knowledge and all that you taught us and yeah you'll definitely be missed and thank you for everything that uh, you've given to our community. Same. All eyes on you Miriam. Um, we've been on a whole bunch of interesting and emotional and stressful subcommittees together and I really appreciate your collaboration and your expertise and um, it was just invaluable the whole time. And so, that can be crying in retirement. So I think that's a Lisa Trainer quote, right? Is that Lisa Trainer? No crying in retirement? No. Okay. But they can be and that's okay. I'll bother you personally. I won't do it on, on camera or anything. Um, 
So I'm going to take it off of Miriam and go back to something else Lucas said. Right. You're welcome. Um, the bus. Mm -hmm. I understand that there was a statement. Um, when can we expect um, some kind of finding for what happened? And you know, I, I understand that when there's accidents, you know, the state troopers get involved, and there's a whole inspection. You know, uh, it's just kind of odd that two wheels just pop off the bus, mm -hmm. especially after it was just. Inspected. I know that the drivers are supposed to do checks every time they take the bus off the lot. So how do two wheels just pop off? So we've been in communication with Holmes. They did provide the statement said that they uh, repaired the wheel on the trip. Um, that said, um, the inspection that took place in February of 23 was within the compliance. I'm not sure. I certainly am not. Some people think I'm a mechanic um, after this happened, but I am not. Um, but I certainly, um, we can follow up and see if any additional information can be provided, or if there was any follow-up with regard to like the state police, because it was a state highway, um, to see what can be done. And we'll be certain to follow up and circle back with you. I understand the question and the concern. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so if, back to you, Mary, if you not about you. Um, was, am I right in remembering that last year on the Six Flags trip, a bus broke down and they were on the side of the road for an hour and a half? Um, I believe there was uh, some incident that yeah. took place on that trip last year. Yeah. Like, I'd be bus is not able to, I don't know. I don't know much about buses. I will, I I will say that this bus, no, <laughs> this bus has, has been driving all year without incident. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, we're fortunate that um, and lucky that this uh, incident was the worst. Um, and I, I'm not sure that the bus company knows exactly what happened mm -hmm. and why this happened. I think it was kind of fluky. Um, I, I, that's not an excuse. I'm not a mechanic. It wasn't something that was just read about me in my background. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't believe that the police were involved in the situation. Um, and um, you know, I think we're we're all just um, incredibly grateful and fortunate that um, no one was hurt. Definitely. And I wasn't asking because you're a mechanic, so that's asking just because you're the transportation person that you probably no, oh, work better than me. I, I understand. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. I know. You're right. We are very, very lucky that this is the conversation we're having. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Moving right, right along, we've got our civics projects presentation up next. Okay. So we're joined tonight by Mr. Joe Barca and by Dr. Tim Frazier, they will be sharing uh, an update, a brief overview of the civics project, and then we have other guests here to speak to civics as well, and some students that you'll hear from, so I'm excited to pass it along. So uh, tonight's one of my favorite types, and your favorite types of presentations where I don't really speak a lot. Um, we're really fortunate to have a great team of educators throughout the district, especially in eighth grade and our 11th grade who in 2018 were really tasked with changing their approach to teaching um, civics in their curriculum. And um, the civics project has really evolved and the expectations are pretty high for students. We're really excited to have Joe Barca here uh, to take us through really the effort of our middle school. And our hopes are that in the uh, next year here, we'll be able to 
uh, increase opportunities to showcase student work in even more um, exciting ways and to, to really highlight more than just one group, but tonight we'll hear their voice, um, hear a little bit about the, the mandate, but also the project, and um, we're really excited to hear what they have to share. Thanks, thanks for having me. Uh, again, I'm just kind of the gateway to the students. That's really what everybody wants to see, but I'm gonna try to provide some uh, of the why of the civics project, explain kind of the focus that we had this year, um, and then go into the student exemplar and introduce what our next steps where we're going um, in the next couple of years. So as Dr. Frazier said, this was the kind of the law that Governor Baker enacted. Um, so that's where we land on the civics project and that's why we're doing it. There's a lot of words here, but I highlighted just the most important. This is the general overview of the project, showing that it can be an individual, a small group, or a class project. They're engaging in civil discourse. It's all the things that we really want our students to engage in, uh, in a civics class. Uh, but this graphic makes it a little bit easier for uh, everybody to see. All of these things on the graphic are what we want uh, students to engage in. These are the skills that impact their learning uh, and make the classes that I was lucky enough to go into really exciting because the kids are moving around, they're working in groups, they're reaching out to stakeholders, they're uh, collaborating with uh, other students, they're getting feedback from their teacher. Uh, so it's a really exciting uh, process um, that we're gonna see in a minute. I wanted to take a minute to talk about the why um, I think one of the most important things about the Civics Project is that it's very process-focused. Um, students are engaging in this process for a really long time. Uh, there's a lot of moving parts. Um, they, we started talking about it at the beginning of the year. Uh, teachers rolled it out to the students throughout the year. Um, and we're really trying to have them identify those goals that they want and work on the project. And as you all know, not everybody gets the desired impact. Right? Some of these issues are really difficult to grapple with for adults, never mind eighth grade students. And really, the process is really what mattered. The kids working together. Uh, at the core of this project, it's a collaboration. Uh, and it's really cool to see. Um, the process, again, one last thing on the process. Process of learning and the continued improvement in not perfect mastery. We're not looking for a perfect outcome. Uh, I would say that on our side as well, as we watch the project unfold, we continue to find better ways to introduce the project, to reach out to stakeholders. You all might have gotten an email or two and it comes from a three schools. Um, and if you think of people in the government are getting emails from all the schools in the state. Uh, so nothing comes out perfect, but we're working on it. These are the six stages that uh, the students go through throughout the course of the project. So kind of examining their self and their civic identity. And then they work really hard to identify an issue that they want to deal with uh, and try to enact some change, some research and investigating uh, that takes a majority of the time. Working on an action plan, it's a great skill to try to build a theory of action to figure out how they're going to achieve that change, trying to make that change happen, and then reflecting on that and ending up showcasing it and having their final reflections on what worked and what didn't work. Um, in the taking action, it really moves the students outside of the classroom, uh, outside of the four walls where they get to talk to people, uh, to email people, to have their teachers email, to meet face to face, 
Um, we had some guest speakers come into the schools as well. Uh, this is an overview of how the classes went about it in all three schools. Some students chose an individual project, some worked in small group, some classes did uh, a whole class. Inside those groups there were select committees. Some committees were uh, focusing on federal, some on state, some on local governments. Um, you can see on the right all of the topics uh, that we covered. There's some more. Some of the issues, as you can see, students worked on and then they kind of fizzled out. Um, you know, you get to a point where you have to rethink what you were trying to do. Sometimes you run up against a roadblock and you have to adapt and overcome, right? So the students went back, looked back at root causes, looked back at different directions. So it showed that you can be resilient uh, and take on a challenge and adapt when you need to. Again, some more topics that they covered, everything from plastic waste in schools to uh, assistance programs for veterans. And on the right, you can see all of this, some of the stakeholders that they were able to uh, reach out to throughout the course of the year. Um, I feel that's a tricky part um, because we're in a school year, so we have a very constrained time. So it's no matter how early you start the project, it's hard to get those emails back and turn them around and follow up uh, and keep emailing or follow up with a phone call uh, in the school day. Uh, and you know, as a student, sometimes it's difficult to have that agency to call somebody and have them get back to you. So, now the best part. All the three schools worked on the same guidelines throughout the process. Um, and we're going to show you one of the projects and, and how the students are going to go through it. So all the words that I said you can see actually in action. So I'm going to step over and let Mr. Baca come up and introduce his students. And they're going to talk about how they worked on free <coughs> library services. I'm going to sit in the back row and you're going to take it over. <laughs> All right. Let me pull up a chair. Introduce yourself. Um, I'm Kevin Berry. And I'm Julianne Oliver France. And. We made it, we did a project, um, for a civics project. It's, uh, we did free library services. So in our class, we researched facts and statistics of library funding. Um, as a whole class, we made a website to make a sustainable outlet for information like facts and stats and for people to recognize the problem and try to change funding. We had tons of roles and responsibilities you can see on the right like researcher online, researcher on site, writer, editor, and a bunch more. Our issue was chosen because um, we were assigned to it and agreed, we agreed that having access to free library services was the most important issue for our class. Um, you might ask why this issue is important or a problem. Our class had library services as a general theme after our class researched, we focused on the idea of free library services. We felt it was important to highlight the free services to the community. Our hope was to eventually get more funding for our library. Um, our root causes for the Franklin Library budget. Um, Franklin Public Library has made the city 1.5 million in 20 years. 1.1% of the town's funds goes to Franklin Public Library. The Franklin Public Library spent one. 10.5 million 
for their expansion and renovation, the Franklin Public Library is set to get $24,324 in state aid. And our driving question here is why are libraries getting such little funding and how can we stop this? Our recommendation for action is to raise the budget for the library so that there is more money for the library to work with, like be able, being able to buy more books and be able to more, do more services. And the steps we took are on the right that Mr. Barker already went over. We communicated with um, stakeholders like the Franklin Public Library and Steve Sher Sherlock, the guy who runs Franklin Matters. Is he in the room? He's right here. <laughs> and our response from him was being allowed to have our website posted to Franklin Matters so people could get more light to the subject. We measured um, our communications by checking our emails that were, were responded to, and Mr. Vaca did that because our school emails can't send emails outside of school. Slight problem. <laughs> and our website, as you know, has been posted on to Franklin Matters, and this would not have been able to be done without the permission from the Franklin Library. We reached out to the community by creating the website and sharing it with the Franklin community through Franklin Matters, like you saw before. Our main outreach to the community was through our website and trying to bring light to what the Franklin already has and what the library has already put into place. These, these graphs show a decline in library usage over time, as you can see. The results and reflection, um, we saw that we still haven't seen change yet, but hopefully we will in the future. We are proud to know that the website that was created gives access to the community and is live on Franklin Matters. Thank you, Mr. Sherlock. Thank you. As you can see um, in the corner, if you scroll down a bit, you can see where it's it free. It's it always hard to find. Free library services. Stuff on the left were like about us, donations, research, facts and stats, and what the librarians have to stay, say, and contact info. Um, our reflection on the six stages. Stage three, we found research to be a bit difficult because it took a lot of time. Stage four, um, action steps were hard to think through in a bigger picture sense. And after reflecting on the process, we might be able to change. We have a project leader that helped us drive the project. We would like to have started it a bit earlier in the year to have more time to work on it. And having access to email outside groups that would have been more helpful for next year. <coughs> we learned by getting funding for a project is really difficult. Starting our website is a great first step. 
We will continue to calibrate and develop the... Uh, I'll do that one. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, though. You did a way better job than I did. <laughs> All right. Sorry. So this is our last slide. We're just, as I said, we were going to continue to calibrate this develop the uh, student-led projects uh, for all three middle schools. Um, we're gonna work towards a community showcase in the future so that uh, the whole community can see the work that the students are doing. Um, and you know, importantly, to continue to uh, lead, let students have uh, some voice and choice and things that impact them. So these guys did a great job. You guys have any questions for them? <laughs> no, for us? Come <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you so much. First of all, I love how you listed the, um, some of the projects that fizzled out because that's so realistic about the research process um, that it's not linear, that you have setbacks or dead ends or even lagging energy or enthusiasm for the project, conflicting data, um, and that's what life is about as well. Um, and I think too often, um, you know, in school it's like, I do one thing, then I get a grade, and then it's all done. And, and, and the messiness is, is really where the learning's at. Um, I also like seeing that a number of local projects because um, having come up in an era where we didn't have civics classes at all, um, it took me far too long to realize that the only thing you can really work on is local issues. So I'd love to see a focus on local issues, um, whether it be just suggesting the typical projects or um, encouraging kids to um, interact with the uh, town council or school committee or the health board or the veterans, all of those that for, for kids to see real human beings rather than just an email from someone who's in Boston or national. Not that, not to discourage anybody who's encouraged, but the, the local stuff is where it's at. Thank you. This fantastic. Uh, great job. I love seeing these, these civics projects. The civics itself is just so incredibly important. And uh, the way that this is all presented to go you know, from an idea and then to start that, that research that really is where so much of the, the guts and the hard work is, it's just diving deep into a lot of that data, but then to actually to have a final project at the end of the day, a website that you know provides more information to community members and donations and steps forward is, is fantastic. Um, and to piggyback on what my colleague said, I love that you had mentioned um, about the adapt and overcome. And I love that concept as well, because it really is, it is incredibly valuable. And just as, as you know, um, you had the, the reflections about what you would like to do in the future, such as a you know, project leader. Um, being able to, to recognize, all right, yeah, you know, we have these challenges. Um, how are we going to fix them in the present? How are we going to fix them in the future? Is fantastic, incredible lessons to be learned. This is uh, terrific. Um, and then just in terms of, actually to, to Lucas and the office, in terms of that, that outside email group, is that something that we might be able to talk, talk to Tim to have? I understand why we don't want to have access for the students, but. I saw your brain working when that yes. comment was made, and I was waiting for you to ask the question. Um, so we have protections in there, so students aren't able to communicate outside. Um, I think we can pose the problem of practice and how it's creating some limitations to students' ability. I did like um, Ms. Bernstein's comment around some local um, folks that we have that might mitigate that, but there will be a need for email communication in the world we live in to kind of move a project forward. I just don't have a solution that's 
protects the privacy and rights of kids in this moment, but certainly we can look at um, potentially some solutions around adults or something to help um, push those messages. I know that Mr. Baca, it sounds like you were emailing on behalf of your students. You probably have as many emails as I do now because of that. So, um, but certainly we can work it, together. It, I, it, I can talk about a couple of things after they're done. Yeah, that that'll be great. Yeah, I had the opportunity uh, to to be interviewed by uh, eighth grade over at Remington, and uh, but yeah, it was it was students emailing from uh, the teachers, kind of coming over to me. But the the Franklin PS, and so even if it's something like a shell account yes. that the teachers have access to, but it might be a shared one, and it's exclusively just for the civics project or something. I always chat offline, but yeah, it'll be great to kind of have some opportunities. When, like when we're done with the questions, I'll explain kind of the way I did it with the kids, and then we'll see if that's viable. This was fantastic. Great job uh, presenting, and I love the overall theme. I can't wait to see where this continues in the future, too. Thank you. So what a great topic. Uh, I think our Franklin Public Library is a phenomenal resource, and it's very, um, it's unknown. I think people think of the library, they don't realize what, what it brings. I mean, I brought my children there for uh, a brass band that was giving another small presentation and uh, an artist that was teaching um, lessons to draw, um, pretend drive-in movies where they brought cardboard boxes and decorated. So there's a lot of great free things there. Um, so I guess my first question is, for your research, like, what was the things that you've learned that the library does that, that you weren't aware of? I, le I learned a lot of things. Like, for example, um, they they don't give out just um, free books. They give out like a bunch of other stuff, like appliances and stuff. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, I was I was talking to Miss O'Leary, um, our teacher and our school teacher, and for our libraries, library stuff, and in my school, like there was like a stove cooker thing <laughs> you can get free. Something a lot of free, a lot of free things you can get. Metal detector. I read them that one. Yeah, that definitely amazing. Yeah, you don't you don't think about that. I think somebody told me about it. So as well, like um, that was a pressure cooker, but it was something yes. like something yes. along those lines. Like okay, thank you. Yeah. yeah. So so it's it's amazing that just the, the phenomenal things that are in there in the library beyond just books, um, DVDs, um, VHSs. If you all know what that is. But my second question goes to the educators. Um, so I heard that. Time is an essence. Um, so I guess, what are we doing to help get more time or start things sooner so that the students have that time to do the work and really dive into it further? Um, can you hear me OK? Yeah. The, the time is, is um, a big challenge, because um, on one hand, you want to give the, the students the time that they need. Um, and as we know in public education, there's never enough time to do anything. Um, and that's not a knock on it, it's just the reality. Um, it also, I feel as, as the teacher, it, it does take away from the curriculum. So my challenge over the summer is to try to figure out how to streamline both. Um, probably starting with the curriculum um, and to see how I can best deliver that to my students without taking away from the civics project experience for them. Um, that's doable. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. I know that's doable. And, um, and 
so that's that's for me that was the biggest challenge as as the teacher. Um, the best part of it, this is an aside. The best part was just letting go and watching them work. I mean, for three years I've done this project three different ways. I've done single, small groups. This year I decided to do a whole class. So I had four classes, four different projects. I gave each class a topic. I called it a topic. Theirs was, you know, let's look at library services for all groups of people. And it was through stage three, the research, where I think that's the pivot in the project. When the kids really dig deep and start to explore the actual topic, issue, if you want to call it that, that's when they start to realize that they have more options and more roads that they could go down. Um, you heard that in their presentation. Um, and I think this, this is like um, an athletic program, where what I mean by that is, if you have an athletic program that you can open up to everybody, I think the civics project, presenting it at a class level, it opens it up to everybody because kids get a, get a, a role responsibility that they choose, that they're comfortable with, and usually they were doubling up so they could pair up with that. Um, so it allows them <clears throat> to kind of tap into their own strengths. And I thought that was really nice to watch this, this year. Um, and they were all, I mean, there would be days when some kids are researching or writing their emails, but other kids who aren't the, aren't the writers and the editors, well, they have to think, well, I'm not doing that right now, so what can I do? And they have to shift into maybe something else, maybe research to support a possible website, things like that. So it does allow for a lot of in-the-moment shifting and in the moment, real time, um, figuring out, okay, what should I do to support one another? And, and I did like the movement in the class. It was, <laughs> it was hard at first because, you know, kids aren't used to getting up and moving around as when they're in a classroom working on tasks. And, and when you give them that okay, they just kind of look around like, really? Really? We can move around? And it, it worked, and it worked pretty well. So. And, and I think the big takeaway from your question is, the students yeah, I hope I came that. to us saying we need more time. Yeah. Right. So that's the best part because they want they were engaged yeah. in it and they wanted more time to work together and to to try to find an outcome. Uh, so I think that's you know we can the adults can figure that timing part out, but the the cool part was that they're the ones who initiated that conversation. Yeah. I had the big ticking clock hanging over my head. I don't think they realized I was like <laughs> that was there for me. No, I appreciate this, and I mean, it's just amazing to see all this come together. Yeah. It's not just the, the the work that was done, but all these soft skills the students have gained for themselves. Right. As you said, asking for more time, the students coming here and presenting and, and sharing right. what they've learned. I mean, all of these really exemplify the work of the graduate and really sets them up for success for next year. Because I mean, you're right. doing more of this level of work in high school. So, um, kudos for you work as a team and really presenting this. And to piggyback on something Mr. Barker said about, um, I mean, the kids had experiences of having guest speakers come in, which was awesome for them. And when I was watching them listen to these speakers, I, I think they were blown away with what other people do. So you're giving them that experience too. Like, like these are experienced people doing these other types of jobs that, geez, I didn't even know existed. 
Um, so there was that element, and um, yeah, I forgot my other thought. But yeah. <laughs> thank you. Appreciate this. This has been great. Well, thank you. This uh, excellent job, guys. This is um, really spectacular work. I'll echo some of my colleagues. Uh, not, not, not only is civics education just so important, but particularly applying it to the local level, getting understanding of what local programs and services are available to you know, your, you know, not, not just yourselves, but also your neighbors, and you know, really anxious right in our own backyard. And, and these. Uh, practical level, you know, the skills that you guys both demonstrate and learn is, is absolutely excellent. It's identifying a issue that you care about and then looking into that to research it to see what the relevant either problems are to identify and coming up with solutions to those problems. I mean, those are life skills that you'll take with you in, you know, for you know, the rest of your not only academic career but um, professional career afterwards. So, yeah, you'll you're doing a lot more of this, and now you're getting public speaking presentation experience. So it's uh, really um, just fantastic to see that we're providing these opportunities um, to our students that were just very practical life skills. So thank you very much, and great job, guys. Yeah, so was, was your part of your role to present to us today, or was that like a voluntold, or did you pull? <laughs> like, how did you guys get up here, and the rest of the class is at home right now? Voluntary, voluntarily. Yay! Yeah, so I, I, I think, you know, we, we were used this year to calibrate to, to make sure we were kind of all doing the same thing in the schools. Uh, and then this is nice, but I think, you know, Dr. Frazier and I have talked a little bit about, you know, how can we bring it into a little bit bigger venue. Mm -hmm. uh, so we'll to be determined. Yes, I won't get too excited because I don't want to like raise the bar too But in, in a way, it does remind me a little bit of the Franklin High School Senior Projects. You know, it really does. Where somebody is feeling passionate about doing something and they carve out the time and they have advisors to sort of like guide them or answer questions or sort of let them go. And, um, you know, there's a timeline, there's a presentation. And so, you know, this is eighth grade. And then in just a couple of years, you might have an opportunity to do a similar thing. And I'm going to invite you all into my classroom next year to, to actually see the process. Am I allowed to do that, Mr. Chair? <laughs> <laughs> through, through, through me, we can work. Okay, on. right, right, right. right. It's okay, okay. <laughs> It was. I, I think. You know, I, I, I don't want. I don't want to let it get away that um, one of the responsibilities is a project coordinator, and and Juliana um, was our project coordinator in this particular class, and. Um, she did it. She did it with another student, and one of my favorite parts of this project in their class was listening to their daily roll call of, you know, go down the names. Where are they? I mean, it, it was like rhythmic, and it was awesome to hear the kids. Yep, yeah, doing this, and okay, and then she would just go through it, 
and their, their excitement, Kevin got very excited. He took the bull by the horn with the, with, the, um, with the website. He did that with two other students in the class. So that's the stuff that, as teachers, it energizes us. So it was really That's great. really exciting. And I, and I do want to hear, hear you saying, you know, that this is an addition to curriculum. So this isn't like they took, you know, an eighth or um, a fifth of the curriculum and got rid of it. No. In no. Place. This is like an extra thing that came on yep. top of already a full year. Yes, I hit every standard of every framework. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot. It's a lot happening. But also trying to like leave that open time for them to sort of like bump around and make mistakes and and to um, take a breath. Right. While that clock's still ticking. Yeah. <laughs> but it's nice that you were aware of that and they weren't as much necessarily. They yeah. were like sort of naturally going through the process and not feeling um, you know too much about it. I think the key to the civics project too is not telling them what to do, allowing them options because that allows their passions to rise. It allows them to get really engaged. And it because it's theirs. It's not mine. It's theirs. It should be theirs. That's how we learn. Yep. Awesome. Well, thank you for all your work on that. And three time, three years, three different ways. Who knows what next year will bring? Exciting. I I like this work. Yeah. I do. So we'll see. Awesome. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you We are going to call Oak Street up to the hot seat, so uh, I want to uh, welcome Oak Street. This is one of our final school highlights of the year. Um, we are joined by Principal Brad Hendrickson, Assistant Principal Donna Krikorian, and the entire Oak Street team, and I'm going to hand the mic over to Brad so that he can kick this thing off. And Brad, welcome and thank you for being here, Donna. Welcome and thank you. Oh, sorry. No. All right. Thank you for the opportunity to come and um, share some of the things that are happening at Oak Street. We appreciate the time. Uh, just want to start by saying thank you to uh, Mrs. Morano, uh, Mr. Jaguer, um, Ms. Goodman, Dr. Rogers for all the support this year. Uh, we really appreciate it. I know it's been uh, yeoman's work uh, this year. Um, thank you to uh, Oak Street staff, those that are in attendance, I want to introduce Mrs. Elkins, our school adjustment counselor, and Mrs. Adams, our third grade teacher extraordinaire, um, here to share a little bit of uh, what we do at Oak Street, and also to some of the other people in the audience, Mrs. Ray, Mrs. Perro, Mrs. Tobin, um, last and certainly not least, uh, Mrs. Krikorian, I just want to say thank you for being a relentless force um, for the kids in this community. Uh, we appreciate it. I'm lucky to be able to work with you, so I appreciate it so much. Uh, thank you to the Oak Street families. Uh, we appreciate all the support throughout the year and the partnership. Um, and most of all, thank you to our students. Um, you bring us a lot of joy. We're here for you. Uh, that's the reason we get out of bed every morning. So um, we're going to have a chance today uh, to share our progress towards our school improvement goals. Um, we framed it as six questions that we were hoping to accomplish, and so we're going to try to answer those questions and say uh, where we've made progress through the school year. Um, at Oak Street, we like to practice what we preach. 
Um, so I'm not here to tell you and walk you through some slides. This is about the end of me talking. Uh, but we'd like to bring the voices of Oak Street to you and um, show you um, some of our learning. So here's the game we're going to play today. Uh, six questions, six people on the board. Um, I'd like you to ask me some questions, but just the ones that are up there. <laughs> All right. So you can change the verbiage if you like, but um, it's it's up to you as you go. So hop in. Anybody have a question? Wait, wait. Can we just get the directions one more time? I'm I'd like you to ask me the questions. They're the ones that are on the board. Oh, I literally just read the word. You, you can you can spice it up. You can read it. You can change the meaning. <laughs> Uh, Ms. Spen or Chair Spencer. What do you value about instruction? Thank you for asking that question. Um, so at Oak Street, uh, we're committed to develop confident and self-aware individuals who are curious and use knowledge to solve problems, but uh, Worthy can tell it better than I Hi, I'm Worthy, and I'm a fifth grader at Oak Street. Oak Street is a fun place to go to school. Every morning when I get off the bus, there are no standing say hi to me, call me by my name, wish me a good day. Everyone makes you feel welcome to, our, to, come, to, our, to come to school, and this is how we try to treat each other during the school day, too. This is a fun place to go to school, especially when Mr. Mellon has a real-life Mario Kart PE class, but actually, it's hard work to be an Oak Street scholar. Our teachers have, have us read books that help us learn about the world around us, and they push us to share what we learned from something we read by talking to each other about being the right responses that use evidence in the text of our plans. We're never able to give one word answers. Teachers push back and make us explain our thinking. At Oak Street, teachers ask us to do hard things. We try to do them because our teachers believe in us and they can help us to believe that we can, we can learn and do anything. Can I ask a follow-up question? Do we do it? At, I'm just trying to follow. Should we do it now or at the end? Is that pizza pizza? Yeah, I'm very interested in that. Oh, who, who, who's oh. Right? That is our mascot, Nutty the Celebrity at Oak Street. Um, he has his own biography. Yes. 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 His own story. Own story. Nutty, yes. And Name so, is right. I just threw myself out. <laughs> yeah, I did the same thing at the kindergarten visitation day. I just kind of talked like they knew who Nutty was, and they were like, "What? Is that a problem? <laughs> what is it?" The own question. Uh, anybody else have a question? Yeah. So. Um, so how are Oak Street students supported to be their best selves? Great question. Um, so Oak Street students are supported uh, to be their best selves. We like to support the social emotion group, ah, growth of all students through direct instruction um, and embedded practices in all subjects. Uh, but here's some uh, samples of uh, students uh, from Ms. Elkins. Oak Street scholars are supported to be 
our best selves through weekly social emotional learning lessons, lunch bunches, and morning meetings. this one about uh, practices aligned to universal design for learning. Hi, I'm Heather Adams, my teacher right here. 
in, and I think one of the most um, exciting challenges of elementary educators. Um, our goal is to elicit students' excitement, their curiosity, their interest, both at the start of a unit of study or a lesson, and then the tricky part, I think, is sustaining that engagement and attention um, throughout the unit of study. In my classroom, engagement looks really different depending on the student, depending on the time of day, the subject matter. Um, engagement is really personal, I think, and so facilitating engagement requires a certain amount of creativity um, and um, really deliberate planning. Um, I start by building relationships with my students, understanding what drives them, what their passions are, and then consider my subject matter. So I try to think what will make their unique personalities and this content come together at this moment in time. Um, sharing and collaborating with my third grade colleagues really does help um, me to plan meaningfully for engagement. We work with the same content, yes, but we also work with eight and nine year olds and that's a really special time in their lives when they are both deeply curious, um, craving content knowledge and, and really deeper understandings about the world around them. Some of my favorite ways for engaging students are to share personal stories of my own, including my own experiences as a learner and um, the ways that I struggle. I think that that is important in making myself human and, and modeling how learners um, persevere. Um, I try to initiate lessons with safe, low, or no pressure um, entry points for students to notice and wonder and imagine. Um, also, giving students choice throughout the day is another way that I try to facilitate engagement. Um, depending on the content, I give choice to how they want to work independently with me, with a classmate. Um, sometimes I give choice about how they want to represent their thinking or their new learning. Um, and choice of a specific topic within a more general umbrella. Students at this age particularly are highly motivated at becoming an expert in an area and reporting back to and learning from their classmates. So really capitalizing on what comes um, naturally to eight and nine year olds really drives my engagement. It's just one of those great teacher win moments when you get engagement right. Um, that feeling of connecting with your students and helping them to connect to what they're learning is so very rewarding and so important to the work that we do. Mathematicians who at age 50 won't say they're bad at math. That's, right. That's our goal. Everybody's a mathematician. Uh, but Sadhguru says it better than I do. Hi, I'm Sadhguru, and I'm an Oak Street mathematician. Don't go crazy. It's not unique to be a mathematician at Oak Street. Our teachers tell us we are all mathematicians. We learn that math isn't always about writing. It is usually about the strategies you learn. Yeah. The strategy we learn that you use to solve the problem 
and then being able to explain your thinking. We aren't going to be able to practice every problem that we encounter in math class from the world, but we know that we can use what we know to figure out almost anything. Here is a video of fourth graders in Mrs. Naylor's class, Mrs. Naylor's class, my class too, explaining how they were able to solve 4,848 divided by 819. Listen closely to hear how we got the school council and discussions with staff um, every year, um, but Alana will uh, walk us through it today. Hi, my name is Alana and I'm in fourth grade at Ocean. New to this school year is our heritage projects. Students in grades three through five selected an influential person from their family's current or previous generations and showcased this person during the selection. Sharing cultural stories from each family with the Oak community has been a valuable learning experience for the featured school of as well as audience. While learning about the diversity that exists within our own community, our connections with each other in our world continue to grow. Along with Oak Heritage Projects, students can sign up more free to display facts and images about holidays and family celebrates on the bulletin board and the Please enjoy some of the Heritage Project examples from our community. Bye! <laughs> <laughs> my grandfather is special to me because he taught me how to be hardworking. He grew up in a remote village in India. A special person in my family is my great grandfather, Alistair Fairborn. He was born in Galveston, Scotland in 1922. He died before I was born, but I heard stories from my dad. He went to school for it. A special person in my life is Ricardo Estevez. My mom loved him like a father. Ricardo was an inspirational man who overcame many obstacles. One special person in my life is my dad. I've never seen him because he died before I was born. There's not a single family gathering when he's not remembered. He is special to me because of his achievements. He lived in a tiny village in the eastern part of Morocco, and his hard work led him to becoming one of Morocco's most successful. 
successful businessman. I'm special person in my life is Rudolf Albrecht. She is my great-great-grandfather on my dad's side. He was a special person because he showed a lot of bravery and courage by immigrating from Germany to the U.S. by himself and his own years old. Those are great projects too, so if you ever get a chance to stop by. Uh, we put them out on the walls, teachers yeah. put them out there. They're, they're amazing to see. I have a question. Yes. <laughs> you already went. Nobody else was raising their hands. He was about to go. Okay, then, Mr. Cassidy, you go We're really fighting over your game, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. There's plenty of time for questions. It's okay. 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 It's Ask this one that just kind of came. Okay. Uh, who helps us do this work for students? Thank you for asking that because we don't do this work alone. Um, so many people help us in our community, um, but I'm going to ask Sophia to kind of walk it through for us. Hi, that's me. My name is Sophia. You're probably wondering how I got here and why. There is writing all over me, but that story is for another day. I'm here to show you how many people in our community support our school. Horseman Middle School is in the same building as us, and highlight of each week is when our buddies from middle school come to our classroom. They, they help us with our assignments, play games with us, or sometimes just talk to us about our lives. Franklin High School is nearby too. High school students come to Oak Street all of the time. They read us stories, teach us lessons, and this group even helped to paint some year olds in our common room to help students to find peace when they're having a tough day. There are so many people that come to Oak Street to help out or asking us to help out. This year, my class partnered with the Franklin food pantry and we set a huge goal for Oak Street. We challenged everyone at Oak Street to bring in donations in order for us to bring a ton of love to the pantry. Yes, we tried to donate an actual ton of goods in the month of January. We got to 1,500 pounds of donations, which is three-fourths of a time. We didn't reach the goal, but we, tr we were proud of what we were able to do for, other, for others in our community. There are many more organizations and individuals who partnered with us this year to make our community better. Just want to say one more thank you to the student staff of Oak Street uh, for showing um, all that they do every day. Um, but you can answer some questions if you have your own questions. <laughs> <laughs> Come here. Um, first of all, I'd love to. I love that special person project. You know, especially for kids who are growing up in public online, and they often know more about celebrities than their own families. It's just beautiful that. You can, you can see even the kids who possibly maybe learned about a grandpa that they didn't know about. Or I loved hearing the one where it was a family friend. Um, 
And then just to have the photographs, you know, all over the school for kids to get to see that is just great representation. Um, in these presentations over the year, I've asked, um, I've, I've been happy for the celebrations, but I've asked all of the principals and administrators, um, what can we do to help where are the struggles and what can parents also do? Um, like, I knew the question was coming, but I still didn't have a good answer. Um, I would say, <coughs> Just continued support. I think there's just a lot of really strong, passionate educators in our building that care about kids. Um, and just to recognize the work that, that they do. Um, I get it's policy, but I, it's a, can I just say it's an open door or no? Like they can come visit. <laughs> you can come visit anytime. Um, see the great things that are happening. Um, we're so proud of our Oak Street Scholars and, and it's all because of the work of our staff here. Um, and just come see, see what we do, see what they do every day um, and just continue to support that. Um, there's nothing specific that I would say, it's just, I think it's, um, yeah, I, I, they bring people together and um, I think it's important for our schools to continue to lead and bring communities together. So any support to do that would be helpful. Thank you. Uh, first, I'm going to be going on. I love the special persons project. It was fantastic. We had the opportunity to do tours around the schools. That was, we, we stopped for a good long while just to kind of look at that. And, and there's been much more time uh, looking at all the projects. It's, it's incredible just as an outsider, just to be able to see the work that the, the, the kiddos put into this to kind of learn about their own family. But then also, um, I'm sure all the, the educational value and then also the, the, the proud factor. Uh, that the kids were able to walk away after learning more about their family histories. It's amazing. Um, and something else, too, when we were seeing uh, during the tours, uh, and, and you talked about it here, was the partnerships with uh, the, the high school, specifically uh, the, um, the artists that were coming on down. And one question is, is some of that style of partnership, and I know you guys are kind of unique being right on the complex, complex itself, but do we have Framingham, uh, sorry, uh, uh, FHS, students going into other elementary school students, other um, uh, other classrooms in kind of those similar partnerships? We, we have in the past, um, more, more recently since kind of post-COVID, um, this is definitely a logical geographical area where it makes a lot of sense just based on the location, but um, I can get back to you on where it's happening in other areas, but this is definitely um, a, a unique, Dr. Rogers, do you have it just it happens in pockets, but we could certainly increase the Yes. And, and they've developed a really special connection um, with HMMS and FHS. It's a tribute to, to the work and the leadership and the teachers that are uh, willing and open to having anyone come in who's willing to help kids and, and be positive. So, um, Which is fantastic. And, and I, I've mentioned this at other uh, meetings. One of the, you know, it's great to be able to, to learn and to see what's uh, being done in the classrooms. Even better to be able to see the bright spots uh, that are coming out of the schools so we can kind of replicate that. And I think that some of the partnerships that you've built um, is just an amazing, amazing bright spot. Uh, so kudos to the entire team, the whole staff. And, um, one other thing, maybe not a, a question, more of a charge, uh, but as we, um, as we kind of move forward in the agenda and get to the budget items, um, because of uh, budgetary issues uh, facing this community right now, there's 25% uh, like site-based reduction 
Uh, so just supplies themselves are going to be less next year because uh, Franklin just does not have the money to be able to fully fund all of our classrooms. So just as we kind of move forward, um, I, I would love kind of some, some honest feedback throughout the course of the year of how, uh, how everyone's able to manage uh, with that just limited supplies uh, that uh, unfortunately that will the, the only thing that we'll be able to provide you financially because of the financial constraints that we have. But keep up the great work. It's incredible. Love the presentation. Love all the work that everybody's doing. Awesome. And Nate, I don't, Sam, do you want to talk a little bit about, like, since we had two on the Heritage Project, like oh, what, sure. what it looks like when kids come back to the classroom, too? Um, yes, I mean, I think that this was um, largely due to the efforts of our school council. Um, you know, like Mr. Hendrickson mentioned that, um, you know, trying to build our inclusivity. Um, we used to have a um, project that every student got a special week, and it's probably something you've seen before, like a celebrity or star of the week, and that was school-wide. Everybody went through their list, and everyone got a special week. Um, and it kind of turned into, um, you know, every year they would bring, like, vacation pictures or not, or, you know, special things that their grandparents got them or not. And it, it sometimes didn't feel inclusive. Um, and so really shifting the focus, not so much on what you have or what you've done, um, but who you have and, and the people that mean something to you, I think was just a really heartwarming shift. And it was, as a classroom teacher, every week I had a student and usually an adult from their family um, come in after lunch one day. Um, we put their photos up on our document camera. They read about, you know, sometimes family members who they never met, like you saw in the video, um, but also sometimes just like a family friend that, that is really important to them or um, a really, you know, just their, their mom, like, you know, and, and I think it was so special for families to have that opportunity to share and um, so valuable for students to learn about struggles of other families and similarities of other families and, um, it was just, um, it was a really special project and, and in the classroom we loved it as, as much as you loved seeing it. I, I think um, it, it was a really um, um, valuable use of our time and, and I look forward to doing it again next year, so. And then just to answer the, not answer, but just kind of say, I, I, I hear you on the impact of the 25%. Uh, we'll monitor that and let you know kind of what the impact is and who feels it, parents, teachers, school or kids or all um, but I will say um, I just want to say thank you to this group to the district for investing in high quality curriculum for all um, I think that's a huge piece and if that causes some of this to go down but every kid gets grade level high quality math instruction <coughs> every day and grade level high quality literacy instruction um, that is aligned um, and connected um, that's huge that's that's a force for equity in our in our community, and so I thank you for that. Um, so one thing we've heard through from all the schools that have presented us before is that in the post-COVID era, we've seen a difference in children and student behavior. Um, what have you seen in student behavior at the beginning of the school year compared to where we're at now? Um, I'll give a little bit, and then I'll turn it over to Mrs. Elkins. Um, I think we've been, I don't know, surprised, but just reinforced the resiliency that the kids possess um, and being around other kids. And um, things are usually harder for adults uh, to come around and, and fight through. 
Um, but kids uh, really feed off each other um, and learn so much from each other. So we've been really excited to see um, students thrive um, being together and being part of a community, uh, but there's still struggles. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, students come in and they are very resilient, but I think what we've been seeing, especially post pandemic is that they've lost, especially in our younger grades, they've lost those foundational skills and they're not necessarily having, they don't have the social skills that other students pre pandemic would come in and have. So things that we might take for granted, like being able to problem solve or how to meet a new friend, how to start a conversation with somebody. Um, and that's really where those lunch bunch groups come in that we've been working on those foundational skills. But even as you go up into the upper elementary grades, you're seeing problem solving skills and how to you know work through different relationships that they're missing that piece as well. Um, so really building on those skills is what we've been trying to do over the past few years coming back and trying to normalize, like we understand that this has been a really hard time for you and you missed those relationships and that chance to socialize with others. So we're trying to help them navigate and work through it. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right, thank you. Thank you very much for this presentation. It's really special to see videos of the students themselves um, give testimonies about just how special um, their experience at Oak Street is. And um, you can definitely tell from just all this information from you know, the, their own words, um, just the um, fantastic the educational experience of the curriculum, but also the um, supports that they're getting, as well as the, the school culture, that um, it's really um, a special place that you guys are creating. So thank you for this presentation. I really appreciate it. Agreed. Um, and I'm so glad to hear um, the gratitude from uh, Oak Street administration about guaranteed and viable math and like curriculum, and I totally um, agree with that. And just the the idea of having that tier one core curriculum across all elementary schools in Franklin is really exciting. Um, another important thing is social emotional learning as far as tier one. And I noticed a lot of your slides had common corners, and I'm wondering if you can just speak speak to those. It didn't look like the same one. I was like, is that the same one as we saw before? But it looked like different ones. And I know some schools have them in lots of classrooms. So could you just speak speak to that and how that sort of looks and works in a classroom? Yeah. So the you know it's very teacher dependent on how they want to set it up and make it look. Um, sometimes they'll ask myself or our occupational therapist to come in and help support and build it. But every classroom can make it their own. You know, some classrooms call it the common corner, the chill chair, the chill zone. Every classroom has their own name, um, and I think that is what makes it unique and special. And then you know, I can go into the classroom at the beginning of the year and teach the students how to use the tools if the teacher wants that support. And some corners are used more often than others, depending on the classroom and the needs of that room. But students knowing that it's there, I think gives them that sense of relief, knowing that if they are struggling or going through a hard time, they have that space that they can go to and they don't necessarily need to leave the classroom. They can just take a few minutes for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of the things I love about that idea is just sort of normalizing mm -hmm. that, like, you know, and I was having a hard time, I'm just going to step away. Like, honestly, when we were going through the beginning of the superintendent report, I'm like, I wish I could just go somewhere for a minute and just take a breath and then come back and sit down. You know what I mean? And I would be fine. But, like, still hear the meeting and still be able to, like, be on the peripheral of, you know. And um, 
I, I love the idea of that and just have, you know, we can all sort of, we have that in our own homes probably, we have that mm -hmm. workplace, like I just need a minute, I'm gonna close the door, <coughs> ready breath, and get back, get back into it. Um, and that's such a great example of that's like tier one, that's available for everybody. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be on an IP, don't have to be a certain type of get a score on a test. Mm -hmm. Like everybody can have that whenever they need that. Absolutely. Um, I love that. And I do wonder, do you do you think that like a like a core SEL curriculum, like a, a boxed curriculum would be helpful as far as sort of like standardizing um, you know, like what you're doing at Oak Street is great, what they're doing Kenneth, like every school's doing great stuff, but I do wonder as far as like when we're talking about math and ELA, that's so important, but like social emotional, like that's also somewhat echo, you know, more important because we can't learn math or ELA if you don't have the self-regulation <laughs> behavior and um, like capacity to sit in a room with others. Um, so I do, I wonder about that. So going through this process, um, this year, this is our second year of using DESA, looking mm -hmm. at data, deciding what we're going to address tier one or individually as the students at tier two. Um, the feedback that came from teachers was they want more. They want more lessons. What do we do? Like we have this data that tells us where kids are, but then what do we do with it? And right. so along with the DESA, they have lessons. Um, we also have access to Second mm -hmm. Step, which has been there. And so like yeah. teachers are asking for more, I think we're also just trying to manage a rate of change um, and how much uh, we're giving. But I, I agree with you, I think, I mean, that's the same thing behind the, the literacy and math. If you just think about it theoretically, like, if, if you're not worried about the what, you, you can really worry about the how. Like, if, if I know what I'm teaching is right, right here, I don't have to go and find it and figure it out and put it all together, which some people are experts at. But if we have something like that, then I can really focus on the kids in front of me and what piece of that they need. Yeah, and I think this, so this was the first year that we had the online second step program. There used to be a box one that I used a while back and it definitely wasn't relevant to students and I think some of them, especially as you get to upper elementary, they weren't as invested in it, but with the new second step that's all online, um, they had really engaging videos and I piloted it with first grade and third grade this year and the students loved it. They, it was really great feedback. I did it in Mrs. Adams' class um, and the students were engaged and then I would take those lessons and sometimes build on them with different things that I know about and incorporate it to expand the lessons or further what I want them to learn more about. So sometimes I would spend a couple weeks on a certain topic rather than just going through the motions of what second step is. So really making it my own as well. I think too, it was so helpful for me, you know, troubleshooting like, you know, Mrs. Elkins had said earlier, there are so many um, social skills that students are lacking in just because of the pandemic. Um, but throughout the day saying like, remember Mrs. Elkins, we were just talking about thinkets and sayings, you know? And so just being able to have that same language um, where she had laid the foundation was really helpful as a classroom teacher. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So so you're one adjustment counselor in like this big school. So obviously you're not able to get into every classroom every day or every week, probably even. But like, so like how, like is that a, how, how does that happen? So are some classroom teachers running these lessons or is it just like when you're able to get into rooms at this point, it's when I'm able to get into the rooms. Miss um, Pettit, the school psychologist, is also going into some of the classrooms and doing some push-in lessons. Um, so I'm just right now in first grade and third grade, but hopefully in the future I'll be able to expand and get in more. But like you said, I'm one adjustment counselor for the whole building, so I'm not able to get into every room. 
but as you know second step expands and more people have access to it then hopefully we'll be able to get teachers comfortable with it and educate them on it so that they can try and pilot some lessons as well and do that in whether it's a morning meeting or a time of the day to try and do some of that SEL work. Right, and I think that's like, <coughs> that's like the idea. I think mm -hmm. it's having like the gen ed teacher is able to incorporate through a 30, like not having somebody to come in to mm -hmm. do it and then go, because you've got other things to do. Well, and that's, I think that's what our approach is. Yeah. I think Ms. Elkins, her, the way that she does is she teaches teachers to fish gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. she teaches kids to yeah. fish mm -hmm. instead of just giving them the fish and so it's I, I, that's that's our theory of action is that um, we have this great support you know she gives does uh, weekly grade level meetings with all students um, and then pushes into classrooms so does mrs. Pettit um, so does mrs. Krikorian. Um we all do to try to support student learning in that area and, I, and that is what, what our expectation is that the classroom teachers are doing those lessons daily what, whatever way they look like yeah yeah that's awesome that's so good to hear and I and I just do want to clarify that just to double check we're not actually allowed to go into Right. Because I think, I think yeah, so school committee members uh, need to coordinate visits uh, right. through the superintendent's office to yes. go and visit the school right. as do, a body. And I do think that it's worth reiterating because like we do get, I don't know, like like people are always like, come into the classroom, come in, and it's come up a bunch of times tonight, you know, Mr. Mackey said, and it's like, I wish I could just walk into all the schools all the time, like I would, you know what I mean? But like there's a process that we have to like schedule it and we have to go together, you know, so it becomes, I think, I, I, I feel like rude when we, when we don't. Like when you say we have an open door and we don't just show up tomorrow morning. <laughs> if, there's, if there's invitations, we can certainly invite and then we can go to, even if it's only two or three people, similar to how the tours went. Right. It's not something, it's not, uh, it's not a no, it's just a matter of right. logistics and just making it happen. And we have done that before. Right. I remember even at the high school, they were having like English projects or something, right. they sent out invitations and we, right. Or yeah, yeah. Fifth so grade moving up ceremony, 9.15 on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> You're invited. I'll send an email I'll see Perfect. you on. Thank you. <laughs> see, I just feel guilty, but I can't get No, but you, I, I can't help them. I'm just saying. It's, if if it can't be open, I'll be specific. Thank you. You have a job. I have a job. That's crazy. I don't make enough doing school committee stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you, though. Thank I appreciate you. all your all your hard work. I've just been up here fangirling this whole time because I just I follow Mrs. Adams on Twitter. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh. she's here in person. <laughs> Should you sign something for you? Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh my gosh! I couldn't. She's just amazing. Uh -huh. um, but I'm just gonna double down. I'm just gonna go for broke. There was a penguin a lot. Oh. Yeah. Oh. What does a penguin have to do with an oak tree? Oak tree? That's Gigi. <laughs> Where is she? Um, Gigi is the mascot for ST Math, um, our supplementary online math program that we um, kids have started this year. And everybody loves Gigi. So, I mean, sometimes Gigi and Nutty hang out outside of school. Sometimes they have a dance party as students are coming in. You just don't know. <laughs> Who doesn't love 
penguins and pizza. I'll be there on Thursday. I want to see penguins and pizza. I'll let them know. They're busy too. I, do we have to ask Lucas if they can come? No. no. Okay. So, we have no. a service animal policy. <laughs> Let's bring that too. Who makes these policies? <laughs> thank you guys so very much. No, this was lots of fun. Thank you. So thank you. 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 I think you would see what goes on there. It's really phenomenal. Um, one thing I want to just point, the legacy projects, the writing, the quality of the writing, I don't know if that wasn't stated, but I just wanted to share with this group, the quality of, of the writing of our students is something that is stuck in my mind when I started to read multiple projects along the way. So it's just a credit to your entire team and the teachers and Mr. Hendrickson and Mrs. Krakor and your leadership. Um, it's really clear you have a very strong community and a culture that came through loud and clear when I had the opportunity to visit with your with your staff. And uh, thank you for all that you do for our kids. Thank you. All right, Mr. Chair, moving right along. Discussion action items. Okay, so uh, in your packet, we have uh, three discussion action items. The first is the revised FY24 budget. Um, and we'll start there. So uh, I recommend approval of the revised FY24 budget in the amount of $71,989,431 as discussed. Is there a motion to approve the revised FY24 budget in the amount of $71,989,431 as discussed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. All right, discussion questions. We'll go start with Elise. Should could I have the opportunity yeah. just to walk through and summarize? That'd be great. Yeah. If that's that'd be much better than me. Yeah. You, you just jumped right into the motion. So I'm sorry. I thought that. I had to put the motion on the table before I spoke about it, but I guess I couldn't okay. tee it up. Then yeah. did the vote. I apologize. So uh, I don't want to rush the process, but I uh, it's been a long day. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, you may recall uh, our joint uh, June 5th budget subcommittee. We met and discussed a few points related to the financial climate and thinking about, um, at that time, the anticipated uh, vote of the town council uh, for the allocated, uh, the appropriated allocation. So just to kind of walk through just a summary, real real brief, but just fiscal summary. March 23rd, superintendent, put to, I put together a budget that included a 2.88 uh, million dollar uh, increase. It was a request and it was 4.11% uh, of our budget. We then moved the school committee. You approved uh, a 3.37% uh, million dollar increase, which was 4.8. Uh, we then had a town administrator recommended budget that came through in April um, that was for 1,031,954 or 1.47 of the budget. And um, at the meeting on Wednesday, the uh, allocated amount uh, included an additional $736,652 to support uh, for the public schools. So this brought the total of our FY24 budget to $71,989,431. So this represents a 
2.52 increase to the FY23 budget. So uh, we've outlined a document for all of you um, to review, and I'll just hit on a few key areas and then open it up for questions that you have. Um, the budget reductions, uh, we identified uh, budget reductions initially uh, within our uh, recommendations that included a million dollars in reductions. Um, we continued to work on the budget as information became available. Uh, the original investment initiatives that we put forth, we uh, needed to make some reductions um, when we received the $1 million uh, allocation that was recommended. So uh, the areas that were reduced included the, the, pre the three pre-K ESPs, speech and language pathologists for 0.2, and a 0.3 team chair, and the curriculum resources. We kept the pre-K teacher, the essentials teacher, you may recall, and the 0.5 SLP that remained in the request. The second um, area in which we had reductions was uh, in the re reduction of uh, some of our services that are included. Uh, this included some middle-level uh, extracurricular activities being reduced. Um, several factors were included in making that decision. It included uh, reduced participation in our clubs, um, uh, staff interest in overseeing some of those clubs, transportation and logistics, and of course, obviously, the budgetary restraints. <coughs> this meant the elimination of a late bus. Um, that was a reduction at the middle level and uh, the, uh, the, air, the at the middle level, uh, not the high school. Mm -hmm. And uh, our athletic programs, we uh, recommended the elimination of our drop buses, the reduction of uh, all JV freshman and uh, freshmore schedules to league games only, eliminated buses for officials and sub-varsity scrimmage areas for JV and freshmen, uh, limited varsity team to one paid scrimmage, home or away, uh, eliminated detail offices for uh, particular games, prioritizing ones that had a large uh, fan, uh, anticipated fan gathering, but um, eliminating the number of the detail officers needed, or in some cases if they were needed um, after school. Apparel, plaques and awards, and a reduction of rental storage containers um, were included in the athletic uh, reductions. You heard tonight about the site based funds, a 20% reduction with um, 25% at elementary and middle, and 20 at the high school. Uh, our curriculum, curriculum committees, reducing those that run, um, and that would include the areas for reductions in services. With positions, we reluctantly um, needed to reduce um, a variety of positions that we've included in the packet. So as I said, we had a $1 million in reductions included, uh, many which were attributed to uh, enrollment, retirement, resignation. That, that equates to about 16 FTEs. You then heard me state during the budget hearings the 24 is a number that was out there, um, which was a result of needing to land um, at the $1 million allocation, uh, which resulted in 30, approximately 30 um, positions. Um, from then, um, this, this allocation has allowed us to um, bring back or to, to restore some of the positions that we've had, uh, 8.6 positions of the, uh, which are included in your packet below. Um, just to continue with, uh, so basically 26.7 positions um, were uh, being recommended for reduction. We also discussed 
whether or not we should raise revenue. We had some dialogue at the budget subcommittee on two different occasions. That's a continued conversation. But uh, the decision in the midst of registration for transportation was uh, to not increase transportation at this point. Um, a $15 increase uh, that could be done or, or might be done could be cumbersome to collect after people have already registered and for a different amount, if you increase services, you then need to figure out how you're gonna create the adjustment and then collect folks who didn't, don't pay the um, additional adjustment. Um, the extracurricular activities uh, included some proposed reductions in many um, of the areas uh, at, uh, for clubs and activities and uh, it seemed incongruent to charge any type of increase for fees if services were, be, were being reduced at the same time. It felt like if services were being reduced, the philosophy being for this year is not to increase the fees on top of it. Um, the same thing with athletics. Um, we have uh, pay-to-play athletics in town. It seemed incongruent to reduce the level of service in addition to increasing fees at that time. Um, our participation in our athletic programs um, does bring in, uh, bring in, that's a fee collection. It does bring in to support some of that programming. So by, by decreasing um, some of the time of the season, but keeping the, the, the same um, fee uh, where it's stated was an, was an area which we uh, put forth as a recommendation. Finally, um, with ESSER three grant funding, we've talked about ESSER over the years, different budget times, and we're in the ESSER three, not one or two. ESSER three is going away uh, after next year. So we can support programming in ESSER grant funding for this year coming up, FY24, but after that, that goes away. So anything in there needs to be either included in the budget or it will need to go away. Currently, we have um, the DEI director position in there, specialized uh, ESP positions uh, at the high school level, 1.0. And intervention services, um, it's approximately 12 interventionists or 900 hours. Uh, social worker at the middle level and um, uh, counseling staff uh, at the middle level as well. The uh, recommendation is to look at uh, remodeling the DEI director position. One of the things that we've learned throughout the year is to look at um, how we utilize that particular uh, position and look to uh, create a decrease in the number of uh, FTE that we have for that, but look to create a, a DEI coordinator that is a student-facing, staff-facing, community-facing component to the role and then share in the planning um, amongst our leadership team. As we know, um, those efforts around trying to create an equitable system within our system are um, really shared among our leadership and our staff but ultimately we see value in having a position that we would look to try to sustain as we move forward. And it made sense in this particular budget climate that we're in um, to look at the uh, ESSER funding and look to reduce to uh, a point four position to focus the role on um, certain aspects of the role that are currently in place, which include in interacting with students, leading some of the um, ADL work that occurs, uh, all the difference, um, and um, working with um, a variety of students and staff, either in staff meetings, PD days, and then you know of the deep dives, which are more community facing. So kind of targeting the supports in that particular area. Finally, with the 736,000 I did mention, we would look to um, try to honor some of the areas in which um, the school committee, the school's uh, administration, have looked to try to preserve along the way. 
I'll start with um, four elementary classroom teachers. Um, we're looking to look at class sizes. Um, before we had the 736,000 allocation, um, we've had some class sizes that were nearing what your uh, recommended class size is, and we were only in May at the time and in June, and it felt like uh, we were getting to a point where uh, we needed to look at certain specific targeted grade levels at specific uh, schools to add another elementary position in order to account for some of those enrollment figures. So you'll notice four elementary positions. Three are posted. Uh, one is we're waiting to see where the classes fall at one particular elementary school to determine where it makes the most sense. We're trying to be as responsible as possible about um, where, where that third, fourth position is. Uh, special ed liaison at uh, one of our elementary schools uh, in order to um, create some equitable services among our elementary schools and uh, student services and the, meet the needs of our students across the board. Um, the third, you'll notice, uh, is a special education position for our ideas program, specialized program. The numbers in that particular program have increased and uh, we have a need to include uh, another teacher to help support students within the program. You'll notice that two middle school adjustment, mental health is an area where we've talked about tonight, we've talked about in every meeting. So in the previous budget, the, when, we, when we didn't have a $700,000 allocation, we took two positions, two counseling positions that we have within the district, and we shifted them into ESSER in an effort to try to float one year and come up with a plan to move forward. When this funding came through, we felt it was most appropriate to have the two, the two employees shift those positions, those, those FTEs back into the budget where they belong. And what it did is it freed up some ESSER funding to include 1.5 counselors at the middle level through ESSER to uh, increase the number of uh, counselors we have at our middle schools to two. Uh, Mrs. Morano has worked uh, with the team on a model uh, that includes having school psychologists and two, psycho two school adjustment counselors at each middle school. If you think about elementary's uh, feed to converge, each elementary has a school adjustment. We've had a system where two elementaries converge on a middle with one school adjustment. And it makes sense that we would try to outfit and try to meet the needs of our kids, not just the compliance needs and the service delivery needs, but also look to how can we get out and um, service uh, as many kids as possible. Did I summarize that okay? That's how you pitched it. Um, so the, uh, those are at the middle level, and in ESSER, we will need a plan, but it seems like it was a good use of funding and a shift that needed to happen so that we can bring people that work for us back into the budget where they belong. Um, finally, we uh, included a .6 music teacher uh, to reinstate, preserve some programming um, for specific courses that we have at the high school um, for music, and um, those particular courses uh, involve uh, musical theater, piano, guitar, and chorus um, were, were those particular areas that we would look to include back in the budget with uh, your support. That is just the overview and the summary. I'm happy to answer any questions that we can for you. person. I don't have any notes on this, but I promise it won't go till 10 p.m. So um, I'm a pretty optimistic person and like this is just this is just so hard 
it's just so hard to read. It's just hard. It's hard to listen to. It's hard to know that like we're voting on this and this. Um, it's a really tough budget, and I commend you and your office for doing what you can. And you know, I always wonder like we're sort of like taking little bits off of all sorts of different programs, and like I can see why that could be better than just like fully cutting one thing and then keeping everything else intact and then maybe next year fully cutting another thing and then leaving the remaining things intact. Like, it's, it's not an easy decision and I know that this is not, <laughs> this is not what you want to be doing, any of you want to be doing, it's certainly not what we want to be looking at right now. Um, it, it just, yeah, it, it's, this is hard, this is hard. Um, there's not enough funding to continue the education that we've had in Franklin. And it's like, this is where I just, I feel like we're just, we're starting to slide. Um, and I'm not proud of that, that's hard. It's really hard. Um, so I do have some specific questions, but I think that's just like the general, um, the general feeling of that. Obviously, we have an allocated num number that we need to work within, and here we're just voting on that number. And um, as school committee members, we're not in charge of like you know really moving things around in mind items and those types of things. And we have our trust in you, which is why we hired you, and you have your team. Um, we've gotten so many emails. We've gotten so many emails. Um, so many emails from families from students, from staff, and we read them, and they're hard. Like you're preaching, you're preaching to the choir, no pun intended. <laughs> um, it's hard, this is really hard, and I hate it. Your turn. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go next. Um, so Elise and I, we were together 2019 to 2021, yeah. our first term. Yeah. Um, and that was that was hard. That was a hard. That was a hard year. We mm -hmm. came in. We always joke about. We, we we take a picture in the fall to compare how we looked when we first ran for school committee. Like look at how awful and crappy we look now. Like look at how look at how bright-eyed we were, and now look at how poor we look. And we really didn't. We thought we were coming in with like school start times. And that was the big issue. And then COVID hit. Well, we were going to keep DT open. And we were going to keep DT open. And wow, everything was shitty. Um, and then COVID hit. And you said, like, it's getting bad. Like, it got bad. We're past bad. We're over the cliff. We're True. on the bottom. Right. Squished on the bottom. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of over trying to put everything nicely. Um, like we read all the emails and we get it. And we've been, we said it in our first term, this group has been saying it this term, like there is no group in the state more committed to the school district than this group right here. Like we are so passionate and we love all of our staff and our students and, and it kills us to get these emails. I shared with a few of you at the Memorial Day Parade where my son was playing the trumpet. I had people come up to me, I don't wanna say a cost, cause that's not the right word, but get in my face angry because of the music cuts. 
I had people at the concert last week come up to me angry. We're volunteers mm -hmm. and like we are doing what we can and it's not okay. You know, my son's coming home angry at me mm -hmm. because his Spanish teacher doesn't have a job anymore. That's not okay. Um, it's a really crappy, awful feeling and we're doing the best we can based on what the community wants, what the community wants us to look like. You know, we can only do so much and uh, you know what, if you, if you really care that much, you know, you run for school committee next time. You know, we're, we're tired of banging our heads against a wall and nobody listening. I know I am, I can't speak for everyone else, I'm tired for the past four years, banging my head against a wall. I know my pre, you know, our predecessors, tired, banging our head against a wall. Um, Sarah Hearn, um, the superintendent I've been before him, everybody's tired. Um, I, my kid's tired. Um, Okay, Dave. Yeah. Uh, Lucas, uh, thank you for putting this together. As I just say, we know I mean, this isn't easy, and I mean, none of this is um, this isn't yeah, none of this is enjoyable to have to make cuts and decisions like this, and they're not made lightly. Um, and we know you take um, as much of a balanced approach to it as possible. Um, I had a couple questions based off of last week's budget subcommittee meeting and this document here that I thought would be good to raise here for the clarification and vacation of the community. Um, first of all, so in terms of the athletic programs that's being cut, what does that look like and what does that not look like? What are the, what's the practical impact going to be for um, school athletics? So the cuts basically would eliminate, it would go down from two to four scrimmages per game, you go to one, you don't pay for the, uh, all the fees that, that go with away and home um, and officiating and those types of things. When you eliminate storage rental, we have to, we can reallocate space, um, but certainly all the equipment that goes with any one of our fields and, and teams, that needs to be stored uh, somewhere, but it would eliminate the storage fee, which is one of the areas where uh, we'd like to try to reduce. Um, paid police details, prioritizing, as I said, large events. You know, in today's day and age, you want to have as many uh, details as possible. Um, uh, I think Ms. Spencer talked about, we're trying to support systems that provide a level of service that we expect uh, as parents and as taxpayers and whatnot, but certainly we would have to, we would prioritize the games that are at the evening or have a large, you know, you can think of the games in your head, everyone has an image of a highly participant, you know, high spectator game. Uh, the ones that are less, less, um, or right after school or areas where we would have had police details or more than one, we may have to try to limit some of that. We also looked at any types of award certificates, all that stuff, it's back to probably what we remember in school was the certificate versus some of the other pieces. It's like, let's just cut that down, you'd be surprised um, uh, the cost that comes with that. The other piece is around some of the sub-varsity uh, athletics and trying to look at league games and not um, expand beyond but do what the um, MIAA recommends for the amount of games that are required for those sports. Um, and that would be similar to what other communities uh, would have uh, on there. Uh, and then finally, uh, looking at 
drop busing transportation. We do have students and uh, athletes who practice at different fields in different locations. This may have to limit the number of times we can have drop buses which, which drop off if it's at Beaver or some of the areas um, around our town. Uh, those are just some areas uh, that would be included in, in the impacts to the budget. One of the things that we asked as part of this and want everyone to know, when we go through these reduction iterations, we sit in a room, we meet with each principal, we meet with each department head, anyone who has a cost center, and we meet and have a conversation around um, where cuts make sense and how they happen. And when, it, when you look at something that is paid or fee-based, you're collecting a fee on the kids who participate. So it's tricky. But the first thing that our athletic director recommended, who she's been doing this a while, she's had to go through these types of exercises in previous districts, and she said, um, you know, the area that you start with is if you maintain your fees but reduce services and reduce some of those things, you, you um, keep your participation, you hope to keep up. I wonder what impact this might have, but, um, and ultimately you reduce services and uh, maintain, and that's, a, that's where we landed with this particular item. Thank you. And similar to that, so with middle school extracurriculars, mm -hmm. or just for clarification, are they all going to be gone? Will some be remaining? What's 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 that going to look like next year? So we could probably both answer that. Um, the goal with middle school, we looked at our middle school um, clubs and activities after school. Mm -hmm. It included the bus. It's not strictly because of bus, but in this budget subcommittee, I did reference some of the um, delays in bus pickup. Um, sometimes getting there at three forty, when the clubs end at three, um, create an issue. But ultimately, we see we have seen a decrease in the number of students that have um, been uh, attending some of our clubs, and uh, teachers uh, running the clubs uh, at the high school. I have the seven hundred and thirty kid. Okay, yeah. Uh, participate in after school clubs and activities. We have a late bus that picks up at a, at that time because of how the, the the release time of day and how that impacts the schedule. It's gotten trickier at the middle level. Um, but this was an area. Believe me, I have a middle schooler. I have a middle school musician who's obsessed with music. Uh, my high school is obsessed with music. My middle school is in, uh, in the course program. Um, these are not decisions I want to make because I don't only hear it at the strawberry stroll, I have to hear it when I'm at the dinner table. So I can relate to that comment. Um, there's only so much we have, and if, it's, if it wasn't this, it'd be something else and someone else would be upset, and you have to try to figure out how to make this work. When I think about the idea of trying not to um, dismantle an entire group is something that um, it's a philosophy that I've led with um, with my teams is trying to preserve because it's really hard when you start to dismantle and bring back. We our DLIs are um, reduced from 4.2 down to 0.6. That's where we landed there. Um, that's gone. We did look at student facing. Every single one of the $732 is, is either a counselor, an educator, a teacher, classroom teacher, or a special educator. In an effort to try to show and have some goodwill on where does this money go, this is how it's being um, predominantly utilized. So um, it's, it's not easy. None of these decisions are easy. And um, it's just where we're at at this point. I'm in my 11th month in this position. I've learned a tremendous amount about our budget. We will continue to learn. That's one thing I can commit to everyone here is we are all reflective. We want to start our budget uh, process um, a little earlier for my, for my sake. 
um, just so that we can, um, uh, and Miriam actually, to her credit, was ready. I just wasn't ready uh, like a month earlier, so you were ready to go. But I do think um, we're doing everything we can to try to, to try to put forth a budget tonight that recommends some of the areas where you had committed, you had vocalized where you wanted. Classroom uh, sizes, mental health, there's a music FTE in there, and there's um, a special education uh, FTE, so. Thank you, and that kind of transitions well into another question that I had with um, this, this extra times 136,000 that we're receiving. And in terms of the, the process for how was, it, how was it decided to add the 3.5 new positions, the 8.6 positions to reinstate those. So uh, you alluded to earlier during your superintendent's remarks that you know not all, not, not all teachers that let go are you know, because of specifically budget reasons. Some of them are enrollment reduction, some are due to collective bargaining, and they, they balance different values when it comes to enrollment and um, social-emotional learning, and these are complex decisions that have, mul that have multiple factors into that, and you mentioned those, I mean, exactly what you said right now, so um, is, is there anything, I know, I know you did get into it tonight, but is there anything else you'd like to expand upon in terms of the, the direct needs that are being prioritized with the positions that we are keeping, and the balancing act that was performed in terms of thing, things that were hard decisions to make that were not able to be kept? Thank you for asking. So the, just to speak to the classroom positions, as I said, we looked at every single grade in elementary in every single school and tried to say, whether your kid goes to this elementary or this elementary, how do we create a range, the range that you've, you've identified, and how do we stay within that range? And we had some areas where we're already tipping up on the range. One couple of them were exceeding by one. And if we hadn't received that allocation, we would be communicating that to you tonight that we have a few that are out of the range. They're not now. Um, we have the ability to um, keep class sizes. Um, same thing with special education, looking at not just the caseload number, but the needs of the kids within a specific community, it made sense to add a special education liaison at one of our elementary schools so that we had more parity across the elementaries. Um, it, it, uh, the, we, I told you the philosophy on bringing back the middle school counselors, but it also freed up counselors in ESSER, and it felt like a really good utilization of those funds to try to build that model out that we haven't been able to do in the past. Um, the, I would just tell you, I appreciate you mentioning, when reductions are made, this is just something I think is a great education for anyone out there who's listening. When we reduce and eliminate a position, we have a contract, right? We have, a, and I was a part, I was a teacher in a collective bargaining contract. But when you reduce a position and you eliminate it, the, if the person in the role has seniority over someone else in the district that holds the same license, uh, in an area where they're licensed to teach, they have a right to remain in, the, in a position in which we have a license, they're licensed for within the district. And the ripple effect of that is, you may have made a decision, a conscious decision, for whatever reason, let's just say it was enrollment, and you had to make a reduction. If there were no, um, uh, non, it's, it's, the term is non-professional status, they are all professionals, I wanna be clear, that's the term. If you have a, uh, someone who is new and not a professional status teacher, meaning they fulfilled their three years and have been recommended for professional status, um, they are uh, displaced by someone who is. 
So in any reduction, shifts happen. When you have to go as deep as we've had to go and continue to go, it starts to impact uh, more and more of our newer teachers, right? And that's basically, I just want to be clear on kind of how that, it's like a bumping right, a seniority right, that impacts across the board. So there are individuals, and I've had the conversations with, with many of the individuals impacted by this, um, just as a human, human to human conversation. But um, I just wanted, I think that's a clar clarification. I had responded to um, a few emails about that. The other piece is when we received this money, the, the rationale for these is we needed these positions based on the numbers and we have a place. Um, creating FTE for a position that we want to preserve, if someone's already in the role, it doesn't always work to just create another position for the same exact job because in a schedule, if you have someone who's teaching, I'll just, I'll use uh, something, I'll use um, art at the middle level, just somewhere, just uh, as an example. If someone's teaching art, you don't create a second art teacher at a middle school. If you have an art teacher already, that person's displaced. So I think the idea of creating another FTE for someone, if there's not a place in the schedule for kids to go to those people, um, we have trouble. And then preserving um, people, I would love to keep every person that we can um, within our budget, but the idea of, of that becomes problematic if you don't have um, a class size or a section of kids or some effect for them to teach. And I think that's just part of how the structure of a schedule works. And it's not that we can't continue to look at the schedule and look for ways and continue. And believe me, um, we put a lot of work in to try to prioritize these particular areas, which include the elementary classroom, special ed, music, and but it has to be done with some um, integrity and in saying we need these positions and this is what we would do with them. So um, th thank you for asking the question, but ultimately um, that's how these ripple effects happen when you're in a budget. And there are times, last thing I'll say is, in a healthy budget, and I can think of years where it's been um, healthier, you can float, you're not so fixated on how many kids are taking this class and how do we do this? I'm thinking of a high school, I used to run the high school schedule, and we had to look at it. If it's, if it's 16, 15 kids, but it's an elective, well, I can't have a class, a kindergarten class of 28 kids and run a class of 14 for an elective. But in a healthy budget, you have the appropriate class sizes for kindergarten, and your high school offers more than just the required classes that you need to take, English, math, science, history. You're offering programming, and we heard kids speak the night of the, the, the impact of music, art, PE, athletics, all those things are what make a school system a school system. And when we have to try to create a budget um, that tries to meet all those needs, we just can't meet all the needs. So I just, I, I also appreciate the emails. Um, I've clarified where people needed clarification or were asking for it, um, but ultimately we have to make decisions to land at a number that were allocated to, to make the system work. And we'll continue to work on it. And um, I don't know if you have anything else to say. This is good on that. I think you said it well. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that answer. I, um, I really appreciate the elaboration. I thought it was worth highlighting that these are very complex decisions that a lot of factors go into. It's not simply a matter of one teacher replacing and shifting around, but there are a lot of, um, a lot of moving parts that go into these decisions. And 
Um, lastly, on that topic, and you know, this is a little more pointed considering that we are facing this budget issue not only this year, but also next year. And we mentioned that you know, in total, 26.7 positions are being recommended to be reduced. You know, we're bringing back the 8.6, but also 16 were being reduced primarily because of enrollment. Are we able to identify, A, which of these reductions are because of budgetary decisions, and B, what the impact to the educational experience of our students will be? Because those are, again, not the ones that are being reduced because of enrollment reductions, which again is a very thoughtful, responsible decision. However, mm -hmm. one of the ones that didn't have to be cut, but are going to be because of the financial situation that we're in. So I think that um, uh, you heard the superintendent say that he uh, had included 16 positions in the original um, recommended budget. Um, those were primarily due to enrollment reductions and areas where we could reduce a position if someone were um, retiring or renewed by resignation um, and, and felt that as though that we could um, potentially not have to replace that position. So those were um, discussed up front and included in the superintendent's recommended budget. The additional budgetary reductions, you know, um, the Title I director, who also was a retiree that you honored here tonight, um, the 3.6 DLIs, um, you know, that was a budgetary decision. The, the ESPs, the ESPs that are being reduced, uh, also budgetary decision. Um, the middle school curriculum coordinator is a budgetary decision. Um, the high school media specialist was a budgetary decision. Um, the middle school Spanish teacher was a budgetary decision. Um, there may have been some uh, other high school positions some of the high school positions that were, were reduced were, many of them were enrollment-based because that enrollment decline is catching up at the high school level. There are 425, roughly, we just graduated roughly 425 students. We probably have about 340 to 360 coming in. Um, so we're seeing those declines and we built those into this budget. Um, and the impact is, is really across multiple levels. You've, you've heard uh, the superintendent speak to that impact. It's across the district in, in a variety of areas. Um, and I, I don't know that I would pinpoint anyone in particular. Thank you very much. Um, it's valuable information for us to know. It, it's hard to hear. And again, we appreciate just how hard these decisions are to make. But um, thank you for um, putting this together and doing the best possible job you can with the circumstances. Yeah. Yeah, great, thank you. Um, so just a few questions and hopefully just to dive in a little bit deeper on some of these things. Um, so under the reduction of services, um, we talked about the reduced curriculum committees. Um, can you talk to like what that looks like in the future? Like what are we, what will we not be able to do as a result of this? That's a great question. I'm going to kick the uh, push the mic to Dr. Rogers to answer some of those reductions. So um, we are looking to maintain many of our committees that we were looking to run. So, for example, 
we started running an elementary um, report card committee this year. It was intentionally made to be a two-year process through which we were evaluating um, math this year and then moving into ELA and, and kind of some of the nuances and overlaps between some of the content areas. Um, so what we've done, that was just one example. We have a few others running. We are running um, committees, but we are doing them with a um, shorter period of time and um, less funding or, or less participation, ability for participation within the committee. So where we were looking maybe for three to four representatives per building, now we're looking at two representatives per building or something to that nature. And, and as opposed to 12 meetings, maybe we'll be at eight to 10 meetings. So we're trying to reduce uh, in that way, but still maintain movement forward. So as it relates to what's the actual impact to the outcome, there certainly will be one. Um, I don't know that I can articulate it in the depths of it right now. Um, I think we're gonna have to evaluate um, and set those objectives you know, as we work through the summer as to what those modified uh, outcomes will be. And would as a result of this also uh, be the deliverable, the time frame for the deliverable to be extended as well? So if something we're looking to get done, we'll say next year, it may be a two-year process to Correct. get it completed and implemented. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, and then looking at the reduced positions, um, so I, I, when people look at this, I, they see numbers, they see the description, and I think what we need to explain is like how it's impacting them. So like, for example, the 4.6 elementary specials. Um, like, what does that truly mean? Is it is that you know? Like, I guess what does it mean? Uh, so one of the areas we um, looked to for efficiencies um, was our elementary um, schedules, and where we this year. Um, we're able to allocate FTEs for each of these areas to each building. So every building might have had a 1.0 or a 0.8 music teacher or art teacher. Um, within that created some inefficiencies in the schedule. And so what this um, reduction uh, is doing is the students are still receiving art and music and PE, um, but in a modified schedule, a different schedule. Um, and where they're, they're actually going to be receiving an additional um, specialist block as well. Um, and so it just allows a bit more equity as well between the specialist schedule and what a classroom teacher schedule might look like. Um, and we're still able within this reduction to meet kind of contractual obligations for, for what a teacher's day looks like as well. So for example, is this similar to, we'll say, for when, they, when the students have PE and um, um, health. Health, yes. Yeah. Or it's, it's they may have one or the other, and it's 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 not necessarily as consistent. They may have a smaller window of time for that program. So they'll have the same block. It'll still be a forty-minute block of time. Okay. Um, but whereas they had it this year on a Monday through Friday, so maybe they'll have you know um, art on Monday and PE on Tuesday and health on Wednesday and so on and so on. Um, that will rotate um, on. You know, they'll receive um, art one day, music one day, maybe they'll receive art, you know, in a three-day and a three-day cycle, kind yeah. of. So rather than a Monday through Friday cycle, it would be a six-day cycle. Gotcha. Thank you. Perfect. Yeah, thank yeah. you. That's helpful. Um, and then, um, is that the same thing as well with the middle school Spanish also? 
So with middle school Spanish, um, we looked at the enrollment at one of our middle schools and uh, looked at the class sizes. Once again, as, as Mrs. Goodman said, we tried to look at across the board on where um, we were recommending to make some cuts and ultimately looking at the, the sections and the enrollment, um, reducing to one Spanish teacher at one of our middle schools. Um, we were able to continue to offer the Spanish program. There are impacts to that, so I'm not here um, to try to make it sound um, like it's a decision we want to be making, but ultimately when we looked at the numbers and you start to look, um, I, you know, we have to have a lens across K to 12, right? Five elementaries, three middle and one high, and look at all of the classes that we're offering, and that was an area in which one Spanish teacher could support the, um, the classes that we have at one of the schools. Thank you. Um, yeah, this is definitely a, a tough situation, and, and, and no one wants to go through this. And no. I mean, I unfortunately, I'm, I'm very pessimistic with things, um, and I, I don't see things getting better unless something drastically changes in terms of how we operate holistically. So, so one, thank you for your um, um, just foresight to, or at least uh, not foresight, but just thinking through uh, changing how we do the budget in terms of the process and doing it sooner than later. Um, I feel like we need to get ahead of this for next year um, so that we, people know what we are facing and what um, the children will be facing as well. Um, and I guess we need to do better at advocating for all of the needs and, and really how do we, as Kobe had said, make the pot bigger because it's not big enough. Uh, for all the things that we want. So, um, yeah, we should, but just more communication around that. Um, let's see what else, what else I have in this. That's it for now, we have some more. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much uh, for all the. hours and, and effort and that went into uh, this budget. Uh, the, the, the budget itself um, is a very thoughtful budget and I really appreciate everything that I had gone into that. Um, also, uh, just in terms of appreciation, I want to say, uh, so with that, uh, you know, I know it was last Wednesday, uh, town council had voted in the additional $700,000 into the budget really allowing us with a lot more flexibility. Um, I want to thank uh, all the town council uh, members who had voted in that additional allocation. There was nine departments uh, that gave up some of their own funds uh, and their own priorities to be able to kind of pull this, these funds in. Um, but I also want to um, thank every community member who had reached out to, to us and to town council, those who were listening in on Wednesday. Uh, you would consistently hear every member talk about all the, the emails uh, that they had received, and we talked about all the emails that we had received. And um, it, it's even just this $700,000, it's a group effort. Uh, this is one Franklin that we're all uh, doing the best that we can. But as, as my colleague has mentioned, as others on the, the town council has mentioned, the, the pot just is not big enough to be able to fully fund and finance all of the services that the schools and the rest of the community is looking to fund. Um, 
But uh, Lucas, again, I wanted to talk to you about just you mentioned the balanced approach. Uh, I know uh, my colleague, Mr. McNeil, said as well, the balanced approach to this budget. We kind of talked about the, the, the concept of what happens if you just take out an entire section of that pie, you know, dismantle and bring back. I believe that very early on this, uh, you know, uh, this committee, we kind of talked about uh, one of the things was world languages at the elementary level. Mm -hmm. Something that was part of the budget uh, and because of budgetary reasons was entirely dismantled and never brought back again. Uh, I believe that at the time, if memory serves me right, uh, Dr. Hearn and her staff kind of put together um, some numbers to say how much might it cost to be able to bring back uh, the L world languages at the elementary level, even on a part-time basis, if memory serves me right, it was about 350K. We're not seeing that. We're, that's, that's not going to be coming back um, the way that Franklin finances is right now. And that's one of the big difficulties if you do dismantle an entire line item in that budget. So I really do appreciate that um, we didn't see that with this budget, uh, that it was just you know a little uh, piece of you know of, of, uh, of each department all along the way. Um, but also um, we'll say, and this is I mean to everybody here in the room and uh, to the community at large. Um, I mentioned this before, uh, the, this budget that we're doing right now, FY24, is gonna be the good one next year as we're, as we're looking back in, in retrospect. FY25 has all the markings of an incredibly difficult budget season. Uh, there are a number of costs that are just automatically gonna go up. Uh, inflation, as the, the town administrator has said, numerous times has fully settled into the budget. I think in this budget cycle, uh, there was over a million dollars that was uh, just eaten up by inflationary costs. And, you know, Lucas, as you had mentioned, uh, the ESSER funding and the positions uh, that they're funding and providing, it's, it's over half a million dollars, it will not be available. They will be completely exhausted or legally returned back to the government. But I know Miriam said before, thank you very much for making sure that we're going to spend every last dime. But half a million dollars will not exist and we'll have to be able to try to either find half a million dollars in the budget or continue to lose services and positions. And so I think I made a, made a charge to our elementary principal earlier. I might make a charge to the rest of the community right now. If if you are angry about these cuts, and if you're angry about the financial situation that Franklin is currently facing, stay angry, stay involved. There's a lot of great uh, uh, community groups that are out there that are also angry and, and looking to fight that good fight. Uh, and, and our meetings are always open. Um, there's a ton of great information online about Franklin Matters. Um, but even just the, the, the FinCom meetings and budget hearings, uh, as uh, just a general taxpayer, it's incredibly informative. Uh, now's the time to get involved because, again, next year is going to be substantially uh, more difficult than what we're looking at right now. 
Uh, that said, um, one of the things, uh, we had this conversation, uh, we started having these conversations uh, during the budget subcommittee, uh, specifically about raising revenue. And uh, in, in terms of transportation, as we mentioned before, it just doesn't make sense uh, at, at this stage in the game because hopefully everybody at home uh, is aware of this registration for transportation closed yesterday. I got in at the very last minute. Um, we also kind of talked about how uh, Lucas used a fancy word in kind of ruin, um, but to, uh, in terms of raising fees for uh, some of the extracurricular activities is we're substantially having to cut because the money isn't there, it wouldn't necessarily make sense to, to raise them. Uh, but there was one other area uh, in terms of the athletic fees. Uh, over the weekend, I took a look at um, about two dozen different communities all around Massachusetts to kind of take a look at their, their fee structure. Um, and in, in one thing I will say, and I'll, I think I'll mention it later on if we go to the order, but in terms of the fee structure, I think there is some opportunity for us to kind of take a look at that uh, and maybe make some tweaks and revisions, uh, just more efficiencies, uh, both in terms of uh, providing more stability for some of our programs and also equity as well. But when I was looking at a lot of these communities, in terms of the athletic fees, uh, while we're definitely not the cheapest, we're also kind of far from the higher end with some of the fees that, that we're currently charging. I do think that there is an opportunity to tweak some of the athletic fees. I know at the time, I believe that we were looking at raising them by about $50. Uh, in some of the budget meetings, but obviously with a substantial amount of reductions that are happening, I think maybe $25 fee increase uh, might be perhaps more in line, but ultimately might be able to use uh, some of those funds. There was that 0.6 uh, music teacher uh, over at the high school level. Wonder if we might be able to, to raise some revenue uh, back into the budget and perhaps uh, utilize some of those uh, new revenue sources to be able to bump that up from a 0.6 uh, to a higher position to be able to fully reinstate some more other music programs uh, to kind of prevent some of the loss that was happening over there. Uh, so the, the fees that's within your purview as a school committee um, to obviously to discuss and, and set fees as per the policy. Um, just with regard to the music position, um, uh, it was a 0.8, it was eliminated in the first round when we needed to reduce. It has now been brought back to a 0.6. The courses that are offered at the high school are what we, we looked at the position and tried to look at chorus, piano, and guitar, two different semesters, and then look at it. This is just an example, but uh, Mr. Charles, you talked about impacts. So with, um, without the 700,000, we were going to have to eliminate um, other electives that exist at the high school, like audio, recording, some of the other classes come off and then you would have to run. Um, and, we, and I met with Ms. Pluff about some of the some of the impacts of this. This is uh, somewhere where it has tremendous impacts. Adding to the FTE is something that certainly I would support. I would just want to have a caveat in understanding that there needs to, it needs to fit within a schedule and you have to have classes where kids can attend and do that. So um, I'm certainly a, a proponent of trying to preserve as much as we can and I appreciate the idea. There's a few variables that have to happen including you mentioned the idea of fees, but um, I just would hate to 
have the, com the comment lie that that's something that would definitely, I think we'd have to have a, a really clear conversation with folks involved with the schedule at the high school to commit to that. And that's certainly something that, um, you know, we would be willing to do. But I just want to be honest about how the high school schedule works and how you're trying to fill classes. And you need kids in classes to go to a teacher, so I would want to be clear on that. But um, just put it out there. Uh, so then maybe if I might rephrase, mm -hmm. um, yeah, certainly I want to let my colleague, uh, Ms. Camille, speak as well before I perhaps make an amendment. But uh, I, I would suggest, and uh, again, to kind of tweak uh, the athletic fees, uh, you know, without the direct you know, caveat that the money has to be spent there, but I definitely would hope that any added revenue mm -hmm. that comes into the budget would be able to, to uh, first be looked at sure. in terms of the music. Yeah. Humans are notoriously bad at long-range Um, <clears throat> part of it is the way our brains are wired. Um, part of it is, is we don't think of our future self as connected to us. We actually kind of treat them as a different person. Studies have shown that's why procrastination happens, because you think, oh, someday Camille will be happy to do this. She'll have all the energy and desire to do this. And I feel like for years there's been this will of Oh, we'll figure it out in the future. Figure it out in the future. I don't know if our world of instant gratification has made that worse. Um, I feel like in the almost two years that we've all been together, we've worked really hard to get people to stop saying we do so much with so little. Because that is just a blanket statement that denies what was going on behind the scenes for years. That the teachers did so much with so little. The administrators did so much with so little. The specialists did so much with so little. And cuts would be made for years that, you know, unless it was your kid, you wouldn't really feel it. Teachers would feel it. The staff would feel it. If we couldn't hire in time because of the budget process, you know, we get the last choice because we kind of know what we can afford the next year. When Districts I've been in are hiring in March and April. You, you lack continuity of leadership, of establishing routines and traditions, of monitoring, of mentoring staff. You end up with, and this is not to take away from the staff we have, because I don't know how they've born it this far. But it's not a collection of people with lots of institutional knowledge at a certain point. And we are hitting that point where we have had so much turnover for so many years that the old folks, like us, you know, like that they're starting to retire. And, and, and left is not a long-term tradition of mentorship of people of dependence on that teacher that, oh my God, Michelle stayed 50 years, unbelievable. The, the sense of community 
the idea we educators inhabit their roles with their entire body and soul and mind. And to have no continuity of colleagues, of getting to know simply training up the new person every single time, only to see them have to be taken away. And I think for a long time, people, to me it's like that wave in interstellar. Do you remember that, that gigantic wave? And they had no idea what that was. We have been talking about the wave. You've been talking about the wave. Your predecessors have been talking about the wave. And I know it's been a long three years, but 104 teachers were pink slipped in 2020. And the pandemic obviously took attention, took every single ounce of creativity and energy that people had. But that was the crisis. Forget the long-range planning for years and years and years. That was not even the crisis. I thought it would be the crisis that would finally wake people up to you don't get what you don't pay for. And I'm happy to see that other town departments are also speaking up and saying, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't. And I would like to stop using the word efficiency because that's a nice word for, I looked up, I'll give you a vocabulary word, lingchi, which is a torture, a form of death by torture, death of a thousand cuts. And some victims would receive 3,000 cuts before they would die. They would start with knives, peel away the skin, chunk pieces off. They were bleeding to death. Then they'd go to the thighs. People would die slowly. Our district has reached a point where it's going to slip, or in places is slipping is not meeting what people claim they want. And it is, you, you elect us to represent you to make decisions. And we do those. But only the citizens can make the right decision to commit to funding our schools and to funding our town. We heard from an optimist and a pessimist, and I discovered a word a couple months ago called apocaloptimist. <laughs> and it's where you think the world's going to shit, but you think it might be okay. You cursed, so I cursed. <laughs> I'm over it. <laughs> uh, we have reached the apocalyptic level of like the wave, and it only takes, and I have faith that people. I have faith in all the pain that we read in those emails that those people will not just complain and send us the email and think that that's the end of it, but educate themselves, stay informed, get involved, and do what's right for this town. It sickens me to, to, to go through this process, and it sickens me of the talent that is wasted in our superintendent to work on this for so many months and go back 
and go back and go back and all his staff go back. Such wasted human capital when they should, we interviewed our future school budget. What's the time? Business Thank you, business administrator. Where it's just like, I oh know we settle it and then we just move on to all the interesting, fascinating, exciting things instead of this anxiety every single year. And parents, if you're only feeling it this time, the school department feels it every single year. And, and we don't know what else to do anymore except implore you to do right by your town. Thank you. Is there a motion to continue the meeting? So moved. Second. Second. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Aye. Does anyone else have anything else to add? Yeah, I figured you did. I do. Um, thank you for gaveling before I started speaking. It was like a, I could have gotten a couple You're more. You're welcome. <laughs> um, okay, so I do, I have a follow-up question um, for Dave Callahan, but maybe it's actually a, a central office question. So if we raise fees in one area, like I thought revolving funds had to be like if we raise fees in athletics, we have to spend on athletics, we can't like move that to increase of position and salary and Can you clarify that? So yeah, if you raise fees for athletics, you have to spend that out of your <coughs> revolving fund for athletics. Gotcha. Okay. So though I appreciate the idea and I feel like it's creative out of the box thinking, but I was like, I don't know if we're allowed to do that. Okay. So that's a no. We're not allowed. Right. Revolving funds need to be spent on the program for which the fee was raised. Right. And it's a revolving fund if we're a, a fee for an athletic fee is part of a revolving fund. That's correct. That doesn't, okay, gotcha. So what percentage of athletic or ballpark percentage of athletic activities are supported by revolving funds? So like by the fees that the families pay versus how much is like housed within our budget? Uh, so up until this year, it was roughly 60-40. 60 revolving um, 60 percent revolving and 40% This FY24 budget is fully supported by the revolving funds. Oh, okay. I see. Congratulations. Um, I, don't know. I wouldn't congratulate you. Okay. No, that's terrible. Because next year you won't have, you will need to. Oh, it's, it's supported by this current year's revolve, like past. This FY24, FY24's budget is being supported fully by revolving funds that have been collected in this current fiscal year gotcha. and previous fiscal years where we have been able to um, um, uh, manage the revolving fund to be able to have a little bit more than a year in the Gotcha. So like our revolving funds might be drained by the end of? Your athletic revolving funds will will be significantly lower at the end of at the end of next year, but you will have one year in the bank, which is right. roughly well, depending on the fee, mm -hmm. um, but and the participation uh, and the gates, you know, because you collect the receipts as well. 
for certain events, but yeah, we're looking at roughly collections of about 400 to 450,000 on an annual basis. Mm -hmm. Your athletic program is closer to $900,000 without the cuts that are um, being um, recommended to you tonight. Okay, that helps. I appreciate it. So not congratulations, they take it back. Yeah. back, back. Um, do you, do, can, can he, I have one other, but it's unrelated. Do you want us to stay on topic and bounce around or no? Okay, um, okay. So the other one, because I get this question a lot, is about the optics of cuts to elementary um, teachers, Title I, DLI, ESPs, Middle school teachers, um, lots of high school teachers for language, ESL, um, but not um, central office or district administrators. And I hear this question a lot. So I looked at the DESE radar data, which shows um, any district you choose, and I looked at Franklin, to look at the percentage of district administrators um, district instructional leaders and school leaders, and it compares it to state averages. You can compare it to any district you want to. Um, and I was like hoping that Franklin was really high, because then I would say like, let's cut that. But it's we're, we look really actually low, compa uh, certainly compared to the state average. We're like, I don't have the numbers, I'm just looking at the graph, but it's like, it looks like less than a third um, of district administrators per hundred students compared to the state average. Mm -hmm. So we look actually really lean um, compared to the state average. So, you know, like we always want to like scrounge and like find a little corner where there's like a little extra money. <laughs> I feel like that's part of our job, you know, to like shake the tree. Sure. Um, and I couldn't find it in this tree, but I do get the question a lot. And so how should, like, how should that, how should we answer that when we get that question? Because I understand the optics of it, um, especially when the families are feeling it and the, the school-based staff are feeling it. Um, you know, like what was sort of like the background in, in that decision? So to your point, I appreciate you grabbing an external source because I think I can say everything in the world, but to compare it to mm -hmm. others around the state makes the case. I think 2.3% of our budget um, accounts for administrative salaries. We have um, 10 schools. We have a central office that supports that work um, with approximately 46, 50 um, students within the district. And um, I spend a lot of time talking about the work of our teachers and, and the work that they do, but the admin that we have, we have um, principals with assistant principals, um, depending on the size of the school, it may include more, a high school, uh, Keller has had two assistant principals to try to manage the, uh, the work. And I think when we think about how a system works, we have classroom teachers in front of students, but the support personnel that work behind the scenes, not just admin, but we talked about curriculum roles, administrative roles to support um, student behavior, the work that goes into the planning, in providing um, support, training for teachers, working with families along with teachers. Um, all the work, I think the last 21 meetings that we've spent talking through some of the school improvement plans and goals that we've set um, forth. So um, I, don't feel, I don't feel the need to justify why districts have administrators. Once again, in a healthy budget, 
that question probably doesn't even get asked. The idea of tightening the belt when we fund in the bottom 20th percentile in the state, I find that we, um, we're not above uh, the state average. Um, I think we need all positions in order for us to be successful, which includes teachers, includes counselors, includes curriculum support, includes building administrators, assistant principals, central office staff, um, in every aspect, because the level of service and the type of work that needs to get done, it, you need all the people involved in order for that work to happen. You need a school business administrator, um, superintendent to, to lead that work. So um, I've served and I've, I've actually worked in all these roles and all of them play an integral part to the system, but you can't have, you can't just have a district of administrators and you can't just have a district full of teachers. You need all of us to work together in order to accomplish the goals that we have within the district. So um, I appreciate the, uh, the state comparison. Um, once again, um, there's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes working with uh, the, the variety of issues that occur throughout a day. Um, there's an administrator who's involved in some capacity, some of which you've been made aware of throughout the year that require administrative support, student investigations, behavior, onboarding, hiring, uh, budget reductions, you know, messaging that, firing, um, all of it happens within the light. So I, I don't mean to sound like if I'm justifying a position, but um, I'm glad to hear that because I haven't heard that directly in a long time, but um, I certainly wouldn't, I don't believe comparably to the, my colleagues in, in other districts um, that we are um, top heavy in any way where we're trying to make this work happen, but we need everybody in the system to do the work. Absolutely, and I think sometimes there is a narrative really in all districts that yeah. districts are top heavy because, yep. you know, like when you're only working in one spot, that's all you see. Right. So when you're only working in the schools, you don't you don't see. Um, and I can send you guys this data because it's like really fascinating and like it, it looks really mean. Like it's almost like concerningly um, a small percentage. So like, on, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's um, I think, validating and sort of like provides some to content, <laughs> some context um, when we look compared to state averages. And then as I said, you can compare it against any other district if you're curious. Just, a, just an example, school business administrator of 10 schools, the budget we have, the number of employees, over 800 basically uh, employees, we have a school business administrator with no assistant, no, <laughs> no assistant school business administrator. We have an HR office that on boards, we have 800 employees, one HR director and a secretary. Mm -hmm. If you ask around to your friends in other districts that have mm -hmm. similar size or smaller school districts, and you'll find that there's uh, additional support, uh, whether it's additional secretarial support or an assistant support. I think those are areas where um, we didn't, that wasn't part of um, this money you know, that's coming forth. I want to go back to four classroom positions, and I'm sorry, I'm a little, it's, I'm tired and it's been a very long day, but I have to just say this. Four positions, two counselors brought back in, one special education teacher, one specialized program teacher, all brought back in. So I'm, I'm sensitive to the topic on how we're utilizing these funds. It's been long, this has been a very hard process, and I'm not saying this to you, Elise, mm -hmm. but to go through this iteration and have to make the numbers work based on what we can reasonably afford, we are making challenging decisions. We're doing um, the best we can to put forth. We're fielding a team in June, which I wish if it was, 
if all the things were the same, I would rather field a team in April so we'd have time to figure out how we're really going to make it happen. Um, but ultimately, we're in this position. This is where we are. And uh, it's not going to do us any good um, as a district, as a community, to infight, disparage, criticize um, our district, criticize the work that our teachers and counselors are doing and admin are doing within our district. But ultimately, I hope that we can come together because this is what we need to do, particularly at this time, as it gets hard. And if I've learned anything today, um, I'm continuing to build perspective on, on what matters. And um, I'm confident that we, if we can work together, continue. It will get harder, but I think we can continue to look at our budget, continue to look at areas where it makes sense and look at the data and see where we need to put our efforts. But um, ultimately, coming before you today, um, we're fortunate to get the 700,000 brought uh, into our budget today to eliminate the level of cuts that we needed to make, but ultimately, We've put it to the best use possible that we can, and that's where the recommendations come before you tonight. Yes, and I do appreciate you like clearly saying that those are all student-facing positions that are coming back. Thank you. Sounds like you're an apocalyptic optimist. <laughs> so then, uh, just to uh, my colleague uh, discussing the raising the fees uh, direct relationship to the programs itself, would we be able to? Could we uh, effectively raise those fees, use the fees in the athletic programs uh, for the revolving account, kind of take some of the money that's currently in the operating budget that's paying for athletics, uh, instead use uh, some of the newly raised revenue over on the revolving account to pay for that. That's kind of opening up, I think, what they kind of refer to as free cash, but effectively just new lines of uh, revenue and uh, money in the operating budget because some of that shifted over to the revolving account, is that correct? So you could reallocate your operating budget however you deem necessary. However, you do not have any funding available in your athletic operating budget at this point because it is 100% um, funded through the revolving account right now. Yeah. Nice Congratulations. Let's come with Doc. Can't get blood from the stomach. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Anybody else? Right. Superintendent Chiquier, I just wanted to thank you for all of your hard work. Ms. Morano, Ms. Goodman, Ms. Rogers, Ms. Freed back there building admin department heads i know that this has been a long awful emotional process and we see you and we support you and you know we're gonna just skip to adjournment now because it's been a long day um all right so we have a motion and a second we've done discussion and questions vote will come in motion all those in favor signify by saying aye aye, aye. opposed all right motion carries all right Superintendent evaluation. All right. Okay. So, as you know, we've been working through the superintendent evaluation process, and this is the culminating event of the year. Thanks to my colleague uh, for the time and effort you dedicated to this process. Evaluating the superintendent is a critical piece of our job as school committee members to ensure continued high quality education for the students in Franklin. Um, so as I've reviewed a number of times at our meetings and through a number of emails, there have been a number of steps that have gotten us here, and I was going to go through them yet again, 
um, for the community, but I think because it has been such a long night already, I'm just gonna skip the steps, because you know how we got here. Um, and I do wanna make sure to thank all of you for completing your individual evaluations, because that's so important and helpful. And also a big shout out to Camille, who did the brunt of the writing of the report final document, which was much appreciated and um, it's it was just fun. amazing. It was fun, yes. You know what? Yes. That's what we do in our free time. Okay. I was, I was, I was it was awesome. It was great. Home, right. Okay. Um, so tonight I'm just going to provide a brief summary. I'm not going through the report line by line. Um, we have the report, and um, once we, if we vote on it to become the final um, summative evaluation of Mr. Lucas Jagir for this year, then it becomes a public document. So if people um, so choose, they can read it online. So um, I'll just start with a couple summary statements that uh, we greatly appreciate Mr. Jagir's collaboration and leadership over this past year, his first year as superintendent of the Franklin Public Schools. And I think you're on 12 months. I was tapping out my fingers while you were talking. You said 11 months, but I think it's been about 12 months, right? I'm at 12 months. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Time flies when you have fun. Throughout his inaugural year, Mr. Lucas Tegir has demonstrated a commendable eagerness to learn, a commitment to personal growth, and an unwavering focus on addressing the diverse needs of our district. It is important to acknowledge that Mr. Jagir took over from former Superintendent Dr. Sarah Ahern, building upon the district's successes and achievements under her leadership. Mr. Jagir's focus on developing comprehensive systems for analyzing the needs of our, of our schools and our students has been instrumental in promoting educational excellence. As part of this evaluation, all seven school committee members were asked to rate Superintendent Jagir's progress on the performance goals and focus indicators. Six of the seven completed their individual evaluations and consensus was, sorry, it's late. My writing is not. Um, and we gathered the consensus of ratings um, and came to agreement that his work this year was rated as proficient in the focus indicator areas, significant progress in the performance goals with an overall final composite rating of proficient. The Superintendent Evaluation Subcommittee looks forward to Mr. Jagir's continued work supporting, advocating for, and advancing high-quality public education in the Franklin Public Schools. We submit this report to the full committee to vote on as his official evaluation for the 2022-2023 school year. So, um, can I just ask if anybody has, like, you read it, do you have any, what's your opinion? Not a good question? Okay. Yeah. Okay, we so submitted. Submitted. Right. All right. So I would recommend approval of the superintendent's evaluation 2022-2023 school year. Is there a motion? So moved. Is there a second? Second. All right. Discussion questions. Camille. I mean, I just, I just wanted to recognize personally Lucas for his um, just grace and aplomb during this year and his absolute humility and humanity. Um, we both share having been in the military and I, I know you understand what I mean. 
I'd take one for you. Like, like you're so dependable and solid. And I would feel safe with you. And, and, and this is a dire situation, but thank you for your calm, consistent, humane leadership. Thank you. Just, you know, um, as, you know, as you continue to dive into the evaluation, if you haven't already, um, you know, I, I know you'll commit to every word that we said. You're doing an incredible job. Um, obviously, there's always room for, for growth for everybody, uh, but the, the systems that you're building um, are, are fantastic. I look forward to everything that's kind of going forward. You definitely want to speak for all of us. You have our, our, our full support. Um, but and as you know, we kind of heard from from town council. You, got, you know, like some incredible you know reviews from, from those members as well. I heard from you know community member after community member the great work that you're doing. So uh, please keep it up. I hope it kind of have a sustainable pace to moving forward and also an opportunity to kind of catch a breath. You're doing fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, this is here. Um, been having a good year, to say the least. Um, been stretched a lot of different places in different ways. Um, like at the end of the day, what didn't kill you makes you stronger, and I think this will be something to help build upon and really just grow. So. Um, thank you, Lucas. Um, yeah. yeah, as colleagues have said, I mean, yeah, this is yeah, certainly challenging year to start and you really hit the ground running and I appreciate the hard work um, and the effort that you put into this and um, when probably the quality I admire the most about you is your willingness to admit what you need to learn and then lean into that because it's only when we admit what we need to learn that we can grow and learn and that's really what we're looking for in terms of um, superintendent that puts Franklin students first and foremost. So thank you for that and look forward to the continued work with you. Yes, so we, we had met um, the end of last week and we reviewed the evaluation in detail. Um, and so I shared some words of gratitude then and I didn't prepare anything additional, but I think everything they said um, and also, um, you know, I, I feel like in our work it's good to have the right type of difficult. This is like a phrase that I use a lot with myself and with my kids. Like, we need the right type of gift. We don't want something boring. We don't want something too easy. We need a challenge, right, to keep us like fresh and alive and motivated. And I and this year's been this year's been a, a big challenge. <laughs> and I, I sort of hope that you know you definitely hit the ground running. There was like no sort of stop, get your bearings, look around, get to know people. You know, like some people have their full year to sort of, the first year to sort of like get the lay of the land. And and you were just going from day one, and it's just. You know, your dedication is just um, so evident in everything you do. And, um, you know, this community is really lucky to have you as their leader. And we're, we're so lucky you're there. Um, and again, hoping that you're able to rest and sort of get, get take a break and, um, or take a breath, I guess. Just take a breath or a break. And um, um, hopefully going forward, starting July 1st, it will be more the right to the difficult and less sort of like, um, the pace might be a little bit different. I can, I can help. But I did also want to ask everybody, do you feel like your, your views were adequately addressed in the report? Like, was there anything that you felt really strongly about that you didn't see in the report? Because that's the most important thing. Because we wrote this report as a consensus of all your mm -hmm. views and perspectives, and we worked really hard to make sure everything was included. 
I'm going to show my gratitude by just vote will come on the motion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right. Motion carries. All right. Um, I recommend adoption of the amendments in the school committee norms and protocols. Is there a motion? So moved. Is there a second? Second. All right. Discussion questions? Camille? Dave? L? Dave? All right. Vote will come on the motion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? All right, motion carries. Discussion only items none. Information matters, a lease, superintendent evaluation. I did just want to ask, oh do you God. like the online Google form? It's a quick question. Do yeah. you like the online Google form better yeah. than handwritten? Yeah. Yeah. Was there any glitches? One, no, no glitches. Okay. Feedback. Um, just for somebody that, that flips around as I'm doing surveys, if it was all one versus the next, oh, I could adapt because I know what I, you mean. I, you have to like, Go ahead. Yeah, go exactly. Okay. So I was going back and forth, gathering my thoughts and rechecking things. And gotcha. so um, if it was just all just one page. And you just scroll yep, down. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Other than that, it was perfect. No, but that's a great idea. Yes. And thanks to Dave Callahan for helping push me into the technological age. I just said some words. You did that's all your... the work. Great job. All right. Great. Budget subcommittee met last Monday, June 5th, where we discussed the FY24 budget updates that were detailed this evening. We don't have another budget subcommittee meeting scheduled this time. However, the next meeting of the joint budget subcommittee will be held on Wednesday, July 26th at 5 p.m. That time, members of the school budget um, subcommittee, town council budget subcommittee, and the finance committee will discuss a model five-year fiscal forecast for the town. Okay. Policy, do you have uh, We have not met since our last meeting. Community relations, none, space needs, outro. Uh, so nothing's on the books, but tomorrow is the first day of the um, town council master facilities plan meeting. Yes. So I think Mr. G. Gary and I probably should have to figure out what the plan is for uh, the near future. Direct you guys are all done for the year? We are done for the year, yes. All right. Uh, SWAC. Are we done for you? We're going. No, we're going to be at the farmers market on June sixteenth. We're going to have lots of information and activities. June sixth. This this, this Friday. Friday. Yes. Yes. We'll be there. All right. CPAC. CPAC is hosting a parent meetup this Thursday morning at Birchwood. Um, CPAC reps have their last meeting of the year with the district leadership tomorrow evening, and their next board meeting is in September. Okay. So done for summer. Yes. Right for the summer. All right. Mental health and well-being task force. We are done for the years. Okay. DEI done for summer. All right. Consent agenda. I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all for the evaluation. Um, and I, I know I don't want to go back, but I didn't. I just wanted to acknowledge it. Um, I know a lot of work went into it. Um, it'll be posted for folks to read. Um, I thought the assessment was fair. I thought the feedback was warranted. Um, I certainly, uh, Mr. McNeil, uh, I appreciate you um, understanding that I am willing to grow. There are certainly areas in this job that you can't learn in a year, and I'm continuing to grow and learn, and I, I'm committed to doing that um, on behalf of the whole district. And um, you know, there are decisions that I made this year that worked out well, some that didn't, um, and I'm just gonna continue to reflect on that. And the last thing I wanna say was my evaluation is a reflection of our team. So when I look around the room, I see Mr. Gustafson is a teacher. He's in the room. He's part of that particular piece. I look at Mr. Frazier, Dr. Rogers, Miriam, Paula, all of you. Um, I just think play uh, uh, play a role. But I wanted to just point to my uh, leadership team, our, our curriculum specialists, our <laughs> teachers, everyone who has been involved uh, this year. 
to have us get to this point in the year um, and attain some, uh, some, some of our goals that we set um, and reflect on ones that we didn't and see how we can continue to try to, to meet those. So anyway, uh, it's reflective of the work of everybody and uh, I just appreciate the feedback that you provided. I thought it was um, certainly fair. And I, I'm going to work towards trying to meet some of those goals and recommendations next year. So with the consent agenda, uh, I recommend approval of the minutes from your May 23rd, 2023 school committee meeting as detailed. I recommend acceptance of a check for $489 from music parents for in-house enrichment for the music department as detailed. I recommend acceptance of a check for $2,043.70 from the ASMS PCC for in-house enrichment as detailed. I recommend declaring the attachment list of math, science, and ELA books as a surplus. Is there a motion to approve the consent agenda as detailed? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Discussion questions? All right. Oh, we'll come on a motion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Right. Motion carries. All right. Good of the order. At our February 28th meeting, the school committee adopted rules and protocols. Item 26 states good of the order's purpose is to allow the members to speak about the functioning of the school committee with the intent of its improvement. Would anyone have anything they'd like to discuss at this time? I know it's always you. It's always you. I'm looking at you. You. You know how I always have to do me first? Can I sing like a very white song? No, we're trying to get Lucas home. Dave. All right, two things. Um, so one, um, just you. We'll say, uh, uh, actually, to the superintendent, um, one thing I um, wanted to say uh, also, just kind of as we, as we move forward, um, you might be able to, whenever possible, uh, really make sure that we, if we're doing uh, some cuts uh, or some some movement of any staff members, uh, I know that sometimes time isn't always of the essence, but just simply like even you know as early as possible, be able to have some some you know communication between all the stakeholders involved. Um, but uh, one thing just so for us, uh, what I want to say, as I mentioned before. Um, Earlier, uh, you know, I, I took a look at it, you know, uh, a whole bunch of different communities uh, and the way that their free st fee structures were organized, uh, both for, for athletics, for some had for the arts, uh, for extracurriculars, and the way that some of theirs kind of looked, it really felt like it, like I said, there's more opportunity um, and especially more kind of stability within the budget. Mm -hmm. So what I might just kind of suggest for this committee is perhaps to kind of look into uh, either doing like an ad hoc committee, a task force, whatever kind of you know, moniker you want to call it, but effectively just a few of us sitting down to kind of look at our fee structure um, moving forward. Uh, you know, so right now it's kind of like just a big catch-all that we do. There's one number, there's two numbers, and that's kind of it. I think that there's some opportunity for growth. Um, and I, I did hear Miriam said that she would happily stay on and help kind of chair. Uh, some, uh, maybe I might have been start that. But I do think that it would be really beneficial uh, if we do kind of look at that. Obviously not for the fall. Uh, that's, you know, it's a bigger undertaking, but at least to kind of start uh, some of that light work to take a look at the way that we do fees compared to a lot of other communities because I think there are just other communities that are doing better. Uh, and we can kind of take a look at it too. Good. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Elementary health eliminated from the curriculum. Elementary PE reduced from twice a week to once a week. This is what our elementary kids had. We don't anymore. Elimination of third and fourth grade instrumental during the school day. It was moved to after school. Hopefully it would come back. It never has. One middle school music cut. Elementary Spanish. We used to have elementary, elementary Spanish that you were talking about hopefully bringing back. We had it. Reduced from twice a week to once a week. In 2008, three middle, and, three middle health and PE teachers cut. In 2009, fifth grade instruments during the school day was cut, has never been brought back. This is what we had back then. In 2010, eliminated elementary and middle school librarians in the town that had the very first public library in the United States. They have not been brought back. We reduced health and PE classes. Spanish was eventually eliminated at elementary school and replaced with health, so health was brought back. Middle school general music eliminated has never been brought back. All of those things have been cut over my time here in my 23 years in Franklin. We've now talked about what is now being reduced in, again, this is personal, in elementary, I teach Monday through Friday. I've taught Monday through Friday since I started here. I have, in my lessons, I have 32, I'm a math person. I have 32 base lessons that I have to teach to everybody. I have six supplemental lessons that I can add in at any time and I can make it, okay, you're on this, you're on lesson five, now you're on lesson six. Oh, those are, that's a Monday class, even another Monday holiday. Oh, even another Friday half day. I've got to get them caught up here. We're now moving to a rotating six-day schedule, which will have, I will see each class 30 times. So what I'm doing right now is I am paring down my 36, sorry, 32 base lessons. My six supplemental lessons are now gone. And a few months ago, in my music class, Mr. Jaguer and Ms. Rogers came into the last five minutes of my class. I hope you remember what you saw <laughs> that day. They came around with Ms. Savage, who was going, I think, interviewing at that time for principal of, of Keller. And they saw the last five minutes of my class. The last five minutes of my class are always the cool down. They are about to transition into the hallway, and I have to cool them down. Can I please get a little bit more time? Did you just wrap? I will. Okay. okay. After the end of those five minutes, Mr. Jaguer came up to me and said, that was awesome. He saw a story that I sang on, the on a recording that I put on my touch view, and then he said, were you harmonizing with yourself? And I said, actually, I was. And it made me feel great. And I went home to my wife and I said, I had a great day today because the superintendent, the sister superintendent came into my room and said that I did an awesome job and it made me feel great. That's one of my supplemental lessons, which I'm now probably going to have to take out. I hope that in 20 years when somebody else, probably not me, is here, they're not gonna look back at 2023 and say, this is what we had in 2023 that we don't have now. Because Joni Mitchell said it best. We don't know what we've got till it's gone, and I hope we don't pave over this paradise with a parking lot. Thank you. Thank you. Um, 
there's anyone else, or if there was anyone online. scheduled meeting. Uh, we need to discuss the <coughs> topics. Right now we've covered um, our school presentations mm -hmm. and uh, the business of today we, we worked up to, but certainly um, it's on our agenda for will be after the school year gets out. Um, and we will, uh, we can we can discuss um, next steps and what some of those topics on the agenda. All right. So at this time, I would entertain a motion to adjourn. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark in Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.